Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another live episode of the Wisco Fanatic Show, where we discuss the Packers, Bucks, Brewers, Badgers football, and basketball from an optimistic perspective. Wisco Fanatics is brought to you by Cardboard Legacy. Wisconsin's most complete sports card shop. Buy, sell, grade, and consign all at their location in Oshkosh. First, uh, first show with the new sponsor intro on there. We got a little, uh, we got a little intro going. Uh, uh, it, we'll see, we'll see. Maybe we'll get some updates to it in the future if we get some more sponsors. But right now, we we have to thank Cardboard Legacy because we are officially now into 2024. Our first show of 2024 and Cardboard Legacy is our new sponsor. So we are very excited for that. Uh, we're thankful to have them on. And, and Nick is awesome. Nick is the owner at Cardboard Legacy. He's a great dude to work with. And we'll actually be at one of his shows in, in about a week and a half on the 13th. So um, that'll be at the Herd Arena, which we're looking forward to that because we're going to be right on the floor at the Herd Arena, which is cool. So, Yeah, I do have to say that Nick <clears throat> is uh, my second favorite person that works there. Riley is definitely number one. Uh, we have some great basketball conversations. The conversation just flows. We could probably talk for eight hours about just basketball and concepts. And I'm, I'm sure we will one of these days. We're going to do a show with them. So we will. And that, that's going to be a long episode, dude, because the, the conversation just flows. They're both great. Uh, but for me, I pick Riley over Nick. I don't know how Nick will feel wow. about that. You better hope he doesn't see that. I'm, I'm, we'll just, see. I'm just kidding, Nick. <laughs> All right. So before we jump into college football, Jake and I want to make an announcement. Um, if you've seen already, we've, we've announced that we are both approved for media credentials for the senior bowl. It's a really, really big deal for us. Um, we're really excited for it. We're leaving at the end of the month and Jake and I, in an effort to try to raise some funds for ourselves, uh, to kind of help with our trip, we are going to do a 50, 50 raffle. So it's going to be $5 a ticket or five for 20 bucks. If you want to, you can message, um, myself, Jake, or the show account, and we are doing some virtuals, and then you'll get some you'll get some ticket numbers, and then we're going to announce that on January 24th. We're doing a 50-50 raffle again. It's it's to help Jake and I fund our trip to the Senior Bowl. It's something that uh, it's it's the it's a momentum builder for the future for for what Jake and I really hope to do with this show, which is to make make this show our full time jobs and to build momentum for that. So we are really really looking forward to it, and it's a really big opportunity for us. And and we're just asking if if anybody feels so inclined to. Uh, to, to get in on a 50-50 raffle and, and help us uh, build a, a little bit of funds for our trip, and we would really appreciate anybody that participates. So, again, just want to start the show off with that before we get into some sports here. Well, you know, I just want to add a little something into that. I mean, you know, everybody has their New Year's resolutions right now, right? So maybe your New Year's resolution is to help somebody this year, and you can help Wisco Fanatics, you know, make some great memories down in Alabama. Um you know, and and push us towards our dream. Like Tyler said, we get, we're giving you guys great content right now. We're diving deep into the stats. Imagine what we could do with eight hours a day, man, uh, every day. You know, just looking at sports and watching games every single day and dissecting every single thing in every game. So, this is one of those big first steps. So, help help a couple of brothers out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
All righty. That said, we're going to jump into the, the Badgers bowl game recap now. So here's the thing. We talked about this last week going into it, that there wasn't a ton to really take away from the year's stats because there was so much turnover on the roster with guys transferring and guys getting ready for the draft. Now, again, it's going to be the same thing as we come out of it in the recap part of it. So looking at it from the recap part of it, as opposed to looking at all the guys that aren't going to be on the team next year, what we are doing is we're going to go through some position groups and we're going to just take what, what, you know, what we saw from those position groups and then some players that we are excited to watch next year based on those performances. So jumping into some stars of the game, uh, Mike has our offensive star of the game. Yeah, so first off, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy to be a part of the show in 2024. Uh, yeah, looking forward cut. to a lot of good things for this year. And uh, yeah, go win ourselves a Big Ten championship here soon enough. But anyway, uh, yeah, our offensive player of the game uh, got sent off on the right note here, I feel like, even though he did take a loss. I got Tanner Mordecai. Um, you know, we got we got to see glimpse, glimpses of what the – real air raid looks like in this game. I mean, this dude, this dude was just absolutely slinging it. I was so pumped for him because if there's one guy that, you know, deserves it, deserved a day like this, it was Tanner plays his butt off every single time, um, you know, good or bad. So he went 27 to 27 to 40, 378 yards, three touchdowns, um, eight different receivers. So, I mean, or eight different pass catchers, I should say. So, uh, obviously he was wheeling, dealing, spread, spreading the ball around, um, you know, had, had a, a couple of real, real nice deep balls, um, even in the, in the beginning, even in the, in the third quarter, um, uh, you know, he, he was just dishing it and doing it all. So, um, and he didn't need to do too much on his feet either, which is, uh, uh, kind of opposite of what he was doing during, during the actual regular season. So, um, end of the day. You know, I'm. It sucks that that he had to take a loss here, but no, we got to. You know, he's at least got some film for you know, you know, for potential NFL teams looking at him. Uh, he's got this game to at least you know look look back on going forward. So, um, no, Tanner had a game. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the air raid, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, for me, on uh, defense, I went with Ricardo Hallman. There's, there's, I mean, between Ricardo Hallman or Hunter Waller, there was. It was the only two that were in consideration. And Ricardo Hallman, being the ball hawk that he is, I'm dude, I love Ricardo Hallman. He's a stud. And I love that I have like a whole thread of tweets that I can just keep retweeting and reposting from all the way back to October to say stop throwing at Ricardo Hallman. And the Badgers opponents have not learned it yet. So um, you know, it's Ricardo Hallman. If you throw it near him, he's coming down with it. So Jake. Jake got to pick the underrated performer, so I'm curious as to who you went with. There's a there's a couple different guys you could pick from, especially on the offensive end. There's a couple wide receivers. There's a running back that comes to mind. Uh, I feel like Jackson Aker could have had a bigger game if they would have used him correctly, in my opinion. Um, also, if we would have continued to run the ball, but I'll get into that in a little bit. But underrated performer, I'm going to pick Bryson Green. I mean, everybody kind of kind of overlooked him. He was Tyler's guy early in the season. Um and, you know, during the season, it was kind of just all Will Pauling. I mean, he led all uh, Division One, I, I believe it was, in uh, first downs on third down receptions. I believe he he got close to 30, right? I believe it was like 27 yeah. or 28. Uh, I know he came into the game with 25, so I'm wondering if he got one or two of them in the game. But, you know, he, he's going to be a big-time player. Don't, don't sleep on Will Pauling. He's absolutely everything. But I believe that Bryson Green – 
Uh, he could be that true X wide receiver that this Badgers offense was missing. And Mikey brought up that Mordecai wasn't using his legs as much. I believe that's, that's, you know, a good thing because the offensive line was blocking better. Also it allowed the air raid to actually look like the air raid. Right. So yes. it was nice to see. <laughs> it, it, it also leaves you with a lot of what ifs though. And I hate what ifs. I'm not going to lie to you. Like what if he never got hurt? You know, what if he had an extra year? in this offense. You know what I mean? I hate what ifs, but it is what it is. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. So we can talk about it. You know, we each have one position group on each side of the ball. So let's do offense first. Mike, what position group on the offense are you excited for in 2024? So I got quarterback. Uh, It's not every day. And the player that I liked, I'll just obviously Tanner, Um, you know, six and three as a starter. Is it the greatest? No, um, but you know, you know, it, obviously the stats were on par for what we all thought he was going to be this year. Uh, you know, 2065 yards, nine touchdowns, four interceptions, but he bailed me. He had over 300 rushing yards. And I mean, we, we've talked about it before, how many times he's bailed us out in the past with, with his feet, uh, whether on third down two specifically. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to miss him because he's just, what more can you ask for with him? He's just a straight up competitor. Um, you know, Longo, Longo yeah, has said it. Longo has said it a few times that he wishes he had one more year with them. I wish we had one more year with them as well. Um, just how he, um, you know, directs himself to, to people too, whether that's in interviews or how he, um, you know, expresses himself around his teammates too. <clears throat> uh, it's just a guy that you want around, around you because he's going to only going to make you better. Um, and just from a positivity standpoint as well. So definitely going to miss him. I am very excited about, I mean, we can talk about Tyler Van Dyke for sure. Uh, Three-year starter from Miami coming to Wisconsin next year. Uh, You know, he was highly recruited to Wisconsin prior to, during the Chris um, administration, so to speak. So there is some familiarity with him. Uh, Three years, three-year starter at Miami, 7,478 yards passing. 54 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this guy has no problem slinging the ball. And, um, you know, obviously that's what, that's what the air raid calls for. So uh, yeah. big body too. Um, it's, yeah. it's kind of uh, different. In, yeah. Different in comparison to what Tanner's size was. I mean, Van Dyke's six, four, two thirty. Um, and yeah, when you watch his clips, and when you watch his clips, he, there are times when he scrambles and has run for first downs too. So I know at first it's like a big body, you know, pocket passer. But uh, I think we are going to see some circumstances where he does have to run. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him. And even on top of that, I mean, yeah, he's not guaranteed the starting job this year, which brings me to my next point. I'm looking forward to the quarterback competition um, because I think this next season, you know, whether it's in spring practice or in the fall, I think this is going to be the time where we need to hear at least Nick Evers making strides, um, like making plays. And I know ultimately this job, I mean, Van Dyke, yeah, most likely he's going to be the starter. This really is going to come down to Evers versus Locke now for the next two, for the next two years as to who's going to be that next guy in line. So I'm looking forward to seeing that, Um, you know, hopefully Nick Evers knows the, you know, the playbook at least a little bit better now so he can start actually competing because he wasn't really in like in position to even, you know, lick, lick the field this year. So I'm looking forward to that QB battle. 
Um, that's going to be, like I said, a two year process. You know, we still got Cola crew as well. We got maybe Matoyer coming in. So they're just stacking up quarterbacks and a lot of which are, are from Texas too, which is something that, yeah. you know, five years ago, we could never even, we never even yeah. would have thought about. So, uh, that quarterback competition, I'm definitely looking forward to. It's only going to bring the best out of everybody at the end of the day. And, uh, yeah, it's something that uh, it's worth keeping our eyes on for sure. So the two guys that you talked about, the two main ones, obviously being Tanner Mordecai and Tyler Van Dyke. On Tanner Mordecai, did you guys see Luke Fickle talk about him in the post game? No. I, I saw know. the clip. I, I don't remember. I can't remember everything off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, go yeah. ahead. So Luke Fickle was actually he was actually getting choked up talking about yeah. how, how he feels about Tanner Mordecai. What's up, James? Uh, getting choked up how he feels about Tanner Mordecai. And the thing that he brought up, and you mentioned, uh, it was a great game, James. And we'll, and we'll get into a little bit more of that too. But <clears throat> Luke Fickle talking about Tanner Mordecai, talking about like how how tough he is to come back essentially three and a half weeks after breaking his hand and, and being you know just a war dog just to go through that and come back from that as quickly as he did. Uh, and you can tell that Fickle really has, you know, good feelings for Tanner Mordecai. Then on to Tyler Van Dyke, the guy of the future. And this is where, you know, I'm sure Mike is going to talk about this too when we get into the specific players aspect of it. But the the way that the air rate is and the strength that Tyler Van Dyke has is the deep ball. So seeing the Badgers slinging the ball all over the field, including vertically, that's like, oh, shit. Like, Tyler Van Dyke could thrive if he's just slinging the ball downfield. And I'll say what I said to you guys. I'm like, when you're looking at Tyler Van Dyke, a, a play style that he kind of reminds me of and similar to his body size, is it kind of reminds me of Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger. Yep. That's kind of how I feel about him. So that's kind of the way that I'm going to look for him to play. Um, Brad asked what kind of NIL deal did Van Dyke get. I don't think we'll really ever know. That's a, it's a good, it's a good question. I, I know if you like see him so, on TV or on a billboard, you'll see that, but I don't think we'll ever get official numbers on that. Cause I don't think they'll ever make that stuff public. So, I, try, I tried to look it up and it says 706,000. Okay. okay. So I was, that's so a, basically, okay, that's like the guesstimate. The probably valuation. Guess. It's probably a guess, but I mean, it has committed to Wisconsin on there. I'm not sure if it's right. hundred yeah, percent accurate, like but estimate. Yeah. So, Matt Rule said that uh, in a press conference one, one time while this was all going on, like the top quarterbacks are going for at least a million. So in that are in, that are in the portal. So I know Van Dyke necessarily wasn't like the top a top three, but I mean it's probably he's probably like top ten or whatever. So probably I mean top ten, yeah. That's actually pretty accurate, Jake. I, I'm willing to bet. I mean let's 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 call a spade a spade, right? You're right. gonna try to get somebody some college kid, right? You're going to get a college kid to move from Miami to Madison. I mean, you're going to have to fork out some dough. Yeah. And still, even the fact that he's willing to do that still says something. It does. It does. But still, have, the, the fit still has to be there. But on yeah. my, Miami for a 22 year old kid, you know, I mean. Right. But again, what, what this end up was ends up boiling down to is the future. So, yeah. you know, the difference between, you know, Wisconsin and say, Iowa, where, you know, there's not going to be any good quarterback play coming out of there anytime soon. At least Wisconsin <laughs> is changing that with their new coaching staff. Yeah, <clears throat> You're looking at who you are, you know, potentially going to be able to grow into. So if Iowa offered him, say, $800,000 a year and the batteries offered him seven, and you're looking at, okay, which one is going to maximize my future potential? 
the Badgers are starting to to get that momentum, that ball rolling where people are realizing, you know, you know, college athletes are realizing like, hey, Wisconsin is going to be a place where I'm going to be able to build for the next level. And that is one of those most important things with Fickle um, is it's going to be going towards that. Um, Josh said, look who we play next year. That's absolutely the Badgers. The Badgers 2024 schedule is an absolute gauntlet. Yeah. Like a successful season could be seven wins because of how stacked their schedule is next year. We'll see. But that said, uh, Jake, what's a position group that you liked what you saw? I actually really, really liked the running back group. Uh, Jackson Aker had 14 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that touchdown was monster, by the way. I was very happy for him. Um, that's a 6.1 yard average. He had a 33 long. And then Yacomelli had seven carries for 45 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, but he had a 21 yard rush and he had a 6.4 yard average. And the thing that I kind of took away from this game, and I don't want to be part of the crowd that says run the ball, run the ball, you know, because that is who we used to be, right? Kill the clock. Now, I do think, you know, this is just my quick little opinion on the game. I do think this was the first real taste of the air raid. I agree. This is yes. what people were wanting to see from day one. But what people don't realize is Rome wasn't built in a day, right? It's mm-hmm. clearly a saying for a reason. Yep. And I yep. think that this is more what we're going to see. I mean, 21 carries, averaging over six yards a carry. I mean, <laughs> you can't ask for much more, right? I mean, that's pretty crazy to get half a first down, over half a first down every carry. So I really do like the spread offense. Um, it it just shows that a true number one wide receiver to take some of the action away from Will Pauling is big. I think a, a tight end that could elevate this offense would also be big. And I think Tyler Van Dyke, who is just a big person, would just absolutely put up big time stats. Um, but the running back, the running back room was great. I think. I think the offensive line played a lot better too. Uh, shout out yeah. to Mike for for letting us know about uh, Jake Renfro pregame. Uh, he was he was fantastic, dude. <laughs> I loved it. It would have been weird for me to take just centers, but I would have just for him because he was hey good. Hey, man, I'm a set. I, I, I grew up playing center, so if you would have done that, I would have been all for it. I know. I, I was so sad I never got to play against you in high school. <laughs> would have been awesome. But um, he he was better, and it made the whole offensive line better. You saw that, right, until obviously the final drive when things kind of fell apart. But for the totality of the game, the offensive line was better. The run game was good. Um, you want me to go players I'm excited for next year? Um, or you want yeah, we can. Yeah, do that. Let's do that. And then we'll, I'll go okay. back to Mike for his before I give mine. Okay. There was, I mean, Mike oh, kind of man. Tyler Van Dyke already, but yeah. This was it's actually like a really hard decision for me, to be completely honest with you. Uh, we have a, we have a guy coming in from the transfer portal, and we also have a big time recruit coming into the running back room. And I was like, oh, this guy, but this guy does this, and, and, and this guy does this. And, and one guy's 5'9, 216. And I'm like, that's a fucking truck. That's Aaron Jones. Yep. That's literally Aaron Jones. <laughs> He's, I mean, you're packing 216 pounds on a 5'9 frame. You're you're putting some some muscle on there, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But I went with Dylan Jones. He's in uh he's in the ESPN uh top 300. He's number 125. Uh he's the number seven running back. He's six foot, 190 pounds. Now I was going through stats and, you know, I watched some clips and I was like, there's no way I can't pick Dylan Jones. By the way, he has the weirdest spelling of Dylan of all time. I mean that with all due respect. It's D-I-L-I-N. And I was like, where's the O? 
Where is there has to be one O in the name Dylan? That's just my opinion. But he played six games in 22-23. Six games, only six games. He had 86 carries for 840 yards. He had 840 yards in six games. Nine yards per carry. Jesus. And he had 12 touchdowns. <laughs> he had five 100-plus yard games, obviously. He had a lot of yards. Right. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I see that's a glaring issue, you know, you're thinking about the air raid, you're thinking about the running back position, they have to be able to catch the ball, right? Yep. He, did, he didn't have very many receptions. He only had two receptions for 34 yards, no touchdowns. But, you know, that's something obviously he can work on, but I think that Dylan Jones is going to fit in just fine. Um, you talk about Aaron Jones, I'm not going to lie to you. When I saw this guy play and he looked like he played in a, in a zone blocking scheme where it was one cut, you either go here or you go here. And I think about young Aaron Jones where it was like, okay, zone blocking scheme with the Packers, pick a hole and then run 70 yards. I kind of felt like I had Aaron Jones when I was watching Dylan Jones. I'm not even lying to you. It, it just felt right. Uh, he has big, long strides. I think he's going to be a really, really good running back for this this offense yeah. specifically. Every media uh, outlet you you hear from, like if there's one player from this class coming in next year that could play right away and not only just play right away, but, you know, heavily contribute, everyone says Dylan Jones. So um, I think size-wise uh, and basically yep. the stats that you just mentioned, like he sounds like he's already ready to go and has the built for it. So, um, yeah, definitely I'm, I'm fucking jacked. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> um, Mike, I assume the guy that you're excited for in the quarterback room next year is Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, sorry, I mentioned that right, right, right off the, the top. No, that, that works. That works out better. But yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, granted, he his freshman year was his best year, right? And he kind of like trickled a little bit. But he also had a different offensive coordinator, like each of the past two seasons, I think it was. Yep. So it's kind of like, I, I'll say it. I think he kind of got merged more so along the lines of having a different coordinator every single year as a starter. So I think part of that may have something to do with it. Um, Also, um, I think the coordinate, the offensive coordinator that just left Miami, I believe went to SMU uh, and took either the head coaching job or the offensive coordinator job there. And that kind of, that interaction kind of happened then with the whole SMU connection with Tanner and, Mm -hmm. you know, back and forth and just learning more about the university. So I believe that that's what happened, but that was also the offensive coordinator that, Van Dyke learned under when which he had like his best season too. So, um, you know, hopefully the stars can align to that. Um, as I said earlier, this guy was heavily recruited from Wisconsin in high school too. So, I was gonna it's say, not like if I'm not mistaken, I thought Phil Longo was interested in him at Mississippi State also. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was heavily, I mean, he was heavily recruited. Yeah. Too, so, um, whether it's for Phil Longo or, yeah, he's been to the unit to Wisconsin a couple of times. Yeah, I think um, it's, whether I think it was visits. Yeah. So, um, he's familiar with it. Looking for he's an East Coast guy too, so I can I can see it. I wasn't too surprised when he actually made, made that trip to Madison, realized what the opportunity was. More so, mm-hmm. I mean, schematics, weather, whatever. But East Coast guy, he didn't grow up in Florida or Georgia or anything like that. So, uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. At the end of the day, um, just creating more competition um, in the quarterback room, obviously. Yeah, and so to round out the skill position group, I have the wide receivers. Um, There's a lot to like, and having Tyler Van Dyke can throw the deep ball makes me very excited. And I agree with Jake. Like, this is 
This is the the first glimpse of what Phil Longo's real air rate is going to look like, and the Badgers were still able to run the ball effectively. And, and there's still going to be some kinks to be ironed out, but as far as getting the scheme installed, I think this was a was a flash of what we're going to see in the next four to five years. Yep, I agree. Now, looking at the players, oh man. Now, Will Pauling is the easy answer. But Tretch Kekahuna is going to be a star. Dude, he's going to be you. a star. Thank you. I'm so happy you picked. I was like, you better. You oh better. my God, dude. He's yeah. going to be so good. Yeah, he's a dog. Oh my God. He's so fast and he's sure handed. Oh my God, dude. He. He's like, if you were talking like baseball, like you were going to give him like a, a, you know, a a scouting report, like he'd be a five tool, like special teams returning, route running, hands, speed, dude, I cannot wait to see what Tretch Kekahuna does in 2024. He's easily going to already, I can tell you right now for the Badgers primer that we do in August, he's going to be my offensive guy to watch. I, dude, seriously. Hear me out. Hear me out real quick. Okay. I'm not saying they will be as good or as productive with the stats, but this is what I thought of when I was watching Will Pauling and Tretch just dominate LSU's defense. I was like, bro, it kind of reminds me a little bit of something that's happening in L.A., NFL version. Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, two small guys, route runners, good hands. You could put them in the slot, put them outside. I could see it. I'm just saying, schematically, it works. I'm going to have to watch the game again to, to kind of get a feel for that. But, dude, like every time the ball goes in his direction, it's just like he's making plays. He put yeah. that linebacker on skates, man. <laughs> oh, my God. That, I believe that was the number one rated linebacker in the whole in all, the whole country in 2022 in, uh, in senior class, by the way. He was a top guy. Top dog. Yeah, I read that, too. So, um, dude, Tretch can play, man, as he, as you said. But so he put that dude on skates like – buckled just oh it would be like what i would look like if he came and run it ran at me, you know? <laughs> just carrying your ankles out in buckets pretty much triple <laughs> triple not th- those shoes that's for damn sure yeah oh man seriously tretch kekahuna familiar yourself familiarize yourself with the name if you if you don't already it's gonna be a big deal yeah all right, Mike, defensively, name a position group that you liked what you saw and then a player that you're excited to watch their performance next year. Sure. So I got the safety group. Uh, I mean, you guys know, know me for, for how long since the yep. primer, who I've been harping on since uh, August or, or yep. whatever. that Yeah, end of August, yep. who I love. Uh, my guy, Hunter Waller, had a hell of a year. First team, AP, first team, all Big Ten. Um you know, I, I'll be, I'll go on my dying breath saying he is going to be an All-American next year. I am looking forward to seeing what he can do. I still think he kind of got robbed, but uh, no. Anyway, hundred thirteen, yeah, hundred thirteen total tackles, seventy-three solo, tied for second most among like the secondary, the secondary in FBS. So that's a hell, hell of a season right there. Six games with ten or more tackles, just an absolute juggernaut. Four and a half tackles for loss, two INTs. Um, you know, what more can you say? And he's a team leader, too. He was the guy who called, you know, the locker room out, basically, before those yep. last two games. And, you know, what, what led to that? We got two more wins, and we got to play in the Rely Quest Bowl against a very good LSU team. So, yep. um, 
no, I mean, this is definitely, he's going to be one of the captains next year. Very much looking forward to what he can, you know, do inside and outside of the locker room. Um, and it starts in a couple of weeks when I think they come back on June or excuse me, January 14th or 16th or something like that uh, for, for winter, you know, workouts or whatever. So it's going to start there. And I think he's going to set the tone too. So it's going to be, you get on board, get on the pot or get the hell out. So that's going to be his mentality, especially, you know, when Paul Chris recruited him, he said, no, I want to come here and we're going to win a championship. He's made that abundantly clear. So that's going to be his number one objective next year. Um, yeah, just looking forward to what he can do. So, uh, and to pair him with, um, I got Austin Brown actually like for, for next year. I like it. The reason why is, uh, <clears throat> main reason he, he's very, we know he's very versatile. He played slot corner last game and what happened? He got eight tackles. Uh, I know defensively they got 35 points on us, but you know, just seeing him put up a stat like that, eight, eight tackles, that was really good. Uh, from he hasn't redshirted yet. He was on, you know, special teams for the most part his freshman year. And he jumped from two total tackles his freshman year to 36 total tackles this year, 26 solo on one sack. And like I said, his last game had eight tackles against LSU, did really well. Uh, the staff is very, very high on him in terms of athleticism. So um, pretty promising there. And I think I could definitely choose between him or a guy like Preston Zachman, but I just yeah, think- I'm glad you brought his name up. Yeah, in terms of yeah, athleticism, I just know the coaches rave about Austin Brown for that. And, you know, we've seen flashes. So next year is definitely going to be his prime opportunity, I think, to um, get that other starting safety position. Granted, there's a lot of competition there. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, if I had a single to do it, do dog, because I think not only Zachman is back, but I think Kamoy Latu might be back next year, too. So the competition is definitely going to be there. Uh, yep. it's, it just makes the safety position so much more intriguing and exciting. I like it. Jake, uh, what, what position group on defense are you excited for? And then a player specifically. I just want to add in on Mikey real quick here. Uh, I, I can get on board with all American. I'm not going to lie to you. Second year in, in the, in the system. I mean, the offense should be a little bit more consistent, putting the defense in a little bit more favorable situations. I could see it. Uh, if he, and we're going to be on TV a lot. <laughs> we're playing, you know, Tyler, Tyler, Mike, we've we've all been harping on this schedule that comes out next year. We're gonna have opportunities to show America what we are, right? In the in the Big Twenty or whatever the hell you want to call us now. Um, the you know, pretty soon it's just gonna be the North Conference and the South Conference. That's what I think it's gonna become. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna have an opportunity. Uh, we're gonna be out west. We're gonna be you know Central Time Zone. We'll be out east as well. So I mean, we're gonna be able to show America what we got. So he will definitely be able to get some votes. Now for me. This is tough, okay? Because they didn't have a lot of great stats in the pass rush category, but we saw that all season long. I picked a defensive line. Uh, Thompson didn't record any stats, really. Kurt Neal had one hurry. Uh, Paez had zeros. Cade McDonald, zeros. And Ben Barton had zeros. But I will tell you the one thing that they did do, and this goes beyond the, the stats, I think that they could they had gap responsibility much better and allowed the linebackers to flow a lot better. That's just my personal opinion when I watched it. But if if you look at the LSU, uh, they only had 97 rush yards. Uh, that they had 25 rushes for 97 yards. That's 3.9 yards per carry. I mean, they had they had two rushing touchdowns. One of the rushing touchdowns was from a yard out. So I mean, shit happens, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of teams have one yard touchdowns 
touchdown runs. Right. But you guys might think this is cheating, but I looked it up on two separate websites, and he was listed as D line, even though he'll probably be, you know, a two point stance linebacker in the Wisconsin Badgers defense. But he was listed as a D lineman. Uh, the player I'm excited for is Leon Lowry Jr., uh, transfer uh, from Syracuse. Uh, he, I've seen him listed as edge. Yeah, I've seen him listed as both as linebacker and and D line, but he was. You know, he, he was listed as D-line. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal him for D-line because, you know, there was the whole debacle of him committing. And then, you know, everybody read the story, right? Mike was the lead on this story as well. He's the lead on every story that involves the Wisconsin Badgers. But, uh, you know, there was the whole debacle of what happened when he committed. Then he, he was like, I'm not committed anywhere. And then he came back to Wisconsin. So, I mean, it was just a, it was just a happy ending, which we all love, right? Everybody loves yeah. a happy ending. I don't care who you are, man, woman, child. I don't care. Everybody loves a happy ending. And uh, Leon Lowry, 6'4", 239. He had three and a half sacks last year. So, I mean, he's going to bring a much-needed athleticism aspect to this defensive line and pass rush, I think. I think he's going to be the one guy that's called the dude up front, and he's going to force some things to happen for Hunter Waller on the back end. Mike said Hunter Waller is a beast. Can't wait to see what happens next year. That's absolutely true. Um, for me, <clears throat> I, I just kind of had to keep going like Mike with guys that we talked about in the preseason and guys that I'm still excited about. Mm-hmm. So I went with the corners and some of them got picked on it sometimes, but there are young guys coming. Uh-huh. The, the Badgers at cornerback, they're starting to get some recruits. Um, a guy like Xavier Lucas, that's a big deal to get recruits from Florida that have other like very big schools interested in them. Um, So right now looking at it, the two that I'm most excited about is obviously Ricardo Holman. And then as a sophomore, Amari Snowden, I think Mm. he's got a real shot at earning some playing time in 2024, given the play of guys like for Kareen, Mac, Alexander Smith, you know, I don't think those guys have really done anything that guarantees them any positioning. Mm-hmm. So I think I really Alexander think... Smith is gone too. He, yeah, he might be. Is yeah. he a senior? Yeah, I think he's a senior. Yeah. And Jason Matry yeah. is already declared for the draft. He's more of a safety, but he's just another guy in the secondary that's not going to be back. Mm-hmm. So okay. I really think with a strong spring, I really think that Amari Snowden has a shot to either earn himself, you know, playing time. And maybe, just maybe, a starting job across from Ricardo Holman. Come on, Amari. Come on. I'm cheering for you, buddy. There's so many young corners. I can't wait. Competition, man. I mean, they weren't lying when they said, like, we just want to create more competition because there's at least three guys off the top of my head, same year, that are going to be fighting for that that other spot, including Forkreen. I mean, I don't want to take any too right. much away he had, from he him. He had good but, games at times, but he got yeah, he got picked on a little bit against LSU. I mean, the two deep though, for sure. I mean, yeah, they're going to be right. right there, no doubt yep. about it. But they got spots to fill. <laughs> he, yeah, Omari Snowden is probably one of the top players that I'm going to be keeping an eye on in the spring. He's going to be the guy should. that I'm going to be looking for reports to see how he's doing because he's going to be a guy that I'm really going to be looking at to see if he can make an impact next fall. So that said, um, Mike, is there any improvements that you noticed from early on in the season up until the bowl game? Can we? Can I just do it? like the air raid offense? Just yeah, in that's what I put too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think kind of the obvious one, I guess, for especially with this last game. 
I mean, hell, the center position. I mean, not to take that much away from Tanner. He did what he could. He hasn't played. He didn't play in a shotgun snapping role on every single play in years past. He did what he could. But, I mean, I called it out right away to you guys. that The snaps are just so fast, quick, crisp. You can't tell me that did not affect Tanner's play a little bit because I think it – Tanner Mordecai's play a little bit because yep. I definitely think it did. It takes – in my opinion, it takes at least a half second off uh, from yep. D Lyman getting to you as well, approximately, because you're instead of looking up in the air, like getting it lobbed to you, you got a quick snap right in your goddamn hands. You can go ahead and sling it. So, um, yeah, I'm, yeah, the set, the center roll, I'll say that as well. Yeah. For me, it, it was the air raid as well. And I said, like, in my, my notes, I just put aside from the last, the last, um, set of downs where obviously the Badgers needed a touchdown to win the game. And obviously the ball kind of bouncing around a lot. Aside from that, the Badgers were raiding the air a lot. Mm-hmm. All over the field, different guys involved. Like if and I I understand this is the transfer portal aspect of it, but if Keontes Lewis and Skylar Bell were playing, like the Badgers could have done even more. Yeah. And we talked about it too with Tanner Mordecai. Like some there was a couple, I think there was two, two drops on deep balls that were catchable. Where it's like Looking in the future, if those balls were caught, like Tanner Mordecai could have had an even bigger game. Oh, that pet the holding penalty when Vinny Anthony caught. Oh, that that's ball. what it. Yeah, that. Yeah, was that was a thing of beauty too. Oh, yeah, my that was God. a dime. Perfect ball. Oh, Man, did that that kill me. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I was going to. I was going to give props to Vinny Anthony, dude. He looks good. He's quick. Yeah. That just got a lot of wide receivers, man. This is kind of weird to say, but. That's a, that felt weird as a Badgers fan saying that the Badgers have a lot of wide receivers. Yeah, two drops. Yeah. CJ Williams had the other one. That was the other one that I was thinking about. Yep. 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 Josh, yep. Josh brought up CJ had that one slip out of his hands too. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was the air raid for me. Jake, is there any other improvements that you noticed uh, that came into the bowl game? Just the offensive line in general. I was I was happy with the offensive line. There was oh, – God, I wish I would remember his name. Number zero on – uh, LSU was uh, really the only impact player in the front seven, in my opinion. Oh, I think that dude's getting. I think that dude's going to the draft, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was. He looked like it. Um, a field goal attempt was out of his range, Josh. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, um, let's see. Let's see if I can find just, it. Just, just really, uh, you know, like I'm saying, just the offensive line. I agree with Mike. The snapping was better, but I think that everybody up front was was better overall. So. Uh, the offensive line, you know, it, it, it's a tale as old as time. If you win the line of scrimmage, you usually play pretty good, right? <laughs> it's kind of how it works. Mason Smith. Ah, Mason he Smith. was good. He was good. He was kind of he was kind of whooping our guards' butts a little bit. I won't lie. Yeah, six six foot six, three fifteen. That's uh, that's a big dude. That's a huge, <laughs> huge dude. That yeah, dude is, it is. yeah, that's that's big. All right. Anything else you guys want to say on Badger football until we kind of close the book on this until until the spring a little bit and then into the summer? I guess one one quick point about about the game. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the whole Jack Nelson Nolan Rucci uh, ordeal at left tackle. Maybe they moved Jack Nelson back to Michael Fortney's spot at right guard because Nolan Rucci looked pretty. I mean, it is a small sample size. I get that, but he looked pretty good at left tackle. Um, yeah. against LSU he it's yeah I thought he held his own um you know hopefully he's shown the coaches enough in practice that maybe he can take over that role and a guy like Jack Nelson who I mean I, I'm not going to lie he did struggle 
you know, a handful of times this year, this season, maybe they yeah, move him back to guard. Maybe that, maybe that suits him a little, that's going to suit him a little more. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there because then you got, yeah, basically all the experienced linemen back to, um, yeah, I don't see maybe, maybe, uh, Joe Huber, um, moves there otherwise and they can bring in joe brunner at left guard uh because i know that the staff is very high about him so uh no yeah. offensive line is going to be very intriguing <clears throat> too going into this offseason and uh look forward to hopefully seeing a few more bat signals yet yeah this next oh yeah, yeah. the the transfer tomorrow i believe um okay. so tomorrow is the last day guys can declare for the transfer portal um and then there's another window from april fifth to the 20th it's something like that hmm. um so there's another 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 one in the spring but we'll see we'll see i agree hopefully we're getting a couple more um a couple more bat signals but that said we're gonna put a pin in the badgers for now and we will be back discussing them you know at times during the spring and the summer we'll see if they do another open practice like they did with the launch if they do we'll try to be there uh the launch was pretty cool to go to last year so we'll see um michael said what badgers will be drafted in this nfl draft uh packers draft which one i don't know if the packers are going to draft any uh tanner bordellini maybe the packers are going to probably be in need of a center but i don't know if tanner bordellini is going to draft as a center or a guard but um we'll see and obviously braylon allen he's going to get drafted probably like a third or fourth round pick somewhere in there uh i was, I was so on board with uh, getting rid of Dylan for, for Braylon Allen, you know, early in the season. But now as the season's gone on and I've kind of seen how Dylan has matured and how he's, he, he's handled himself through the adversity. Yeah. I feel bad saying that because I really do like A.J. Dylan. But then you take the business aspect of it at all, you know, and we could have four years of, of rookie contract Braylon Allen, you know what I mean? And they're, they're going to be the same guy, right? in my opinion. They're going to be the same guy, powerhouse guy. They're a little bit more nimble than you think. Decent hands. If Braylon Allen obviously needs to work on the pass blocking, but I mean, yeah, we'll see. I I would I would love it. I'm not gonna lie. I would love Braylon Allen in a Packer uniform, but I would like to see him in a in a more wide open offense. Yeah. So the other guys, uh, like I said, the other guy, Jason Matry, is going to the draft. I will see if any other Badgers end up uh, declaring for the draft. Uh, like a guy like Muma and Jung Meta is a guy to be watching. Yep. Um, so we'll see. We'll see who else declares for the draft. Hopefully, if some other Badgers do declare for the draft, they'll go play in the Senior Bowl, and Jake and I can get a chance to talk to them. That would be sweet. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, like I said, Badger football, we'll put a pin in it, and we're excited for next year. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, would love to see Allen in green and gold. We'll see. I mean, if he falls into that late third-round pick where the Packers have the Bills pick. Yeah. Uh. I, I won't say – you never say never, right, because it could happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously we've seen the Packers' running back depth be kind of depleted at times. Yeah. You know, we had Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, and we still drafted A.J. Dillon. Now, obviously there was circumstances into that with contract years and stuff like right. that. But that could still be a, a case next year with yeah. Aaron Jones probably being on a contract near next year. Yeah. Maybe we sign Dillon to a one-year deal. I don't know. There's a lot of – there's yeah. a lot of – questions to be yep. answered but you let you let braylon allen be rb3 for a year and learn the in 2025 and, yeah it, it could happen i'm not gonna yep. say no all righty we're gonna switch to basketball so badgers basketball against iowa Woo. now first of all we talked about this a little bit in our group chat pretty quiet night from fran mccaffrey we didn't have like 
oh my fucking god, will this dude just go away? Like, he was pretty calm for the most part. Yeah, I think he realized he knew what he knew what was coming to him uh, throughout the game. So uh, maybe that's why he kept his mouth shut. <laughs> All right. So, Mike, talk about Tyler Wall and points in the paint. <laughs> So, yeah, so I didn't even know this going into the Iowa game last night. Tyler Wall has done pretty goddamn well against Iowa. He's averaged close to 20 points per game um, in every year that they've he's played them. So uh, that was the first point. And then, yeah, incre- a very, very good night for him. Uh, 19 points, eight boards, two assists, two steals. Most impressive stat out of all of this is, Tyler Wall was 11 of 13 from the free throw line. Atta boy. How many times have you guys heard me on this show criticize him for for that? For that? So, a handful. Uh, he, yeah, a handful for sure. And that was definitely the most impressive part of the game, in my view, for him. Um, he did get a little carried away at times with, like, dribbling in transition. I told you guys yeah. that as well. It definitely pissed yep. me off a little bit. But, um, you know, he makes up for it for always playing hard. That's not that's something I'll ever take. That's something I'll never take away from him. Uh, yeah, he just – he looked a man amongst boys, two underneath, I thought, uh, with some of those younger guys for Iowa. So, um, he was definitely – eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. And a block. Yeah, I kind of so, like how he's letting the beard grow in a little bit more. By the way, that looks not such a baby face. He, yeah, he, yep. he look he looks distinguished now. He looks like an elder statesman. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so no, he had a real really good night. I mean, again, if he can, can keep up those free throw numbers, this is kind of one of those things that we that we've harped about with past you know Wisconsin basketball teams. What do they do? They play defense and they make their free throws to close out games and don't uh, turn the ball over. I mean, and we're already over our average again. We talked about it last week from like last year to this year, how many more free throw attempts they've had. I think last year was around 14 or 15 this year. I think it was either on last week's show or two weeks ago. I, it was like 19.1. I mean, we shot 35, 35 last night. So oh. um, definitely well on the way there. So, um, and then just jumping right into that with the whole points in the paint, um, you know, it, it's more so playing to our, our identity. I think we've really, really found that that identity with this team. I mean, the Badgers got 42 points in the paint last night. Uh, it's the highest against any major, our high major this year so far. Uh, so trending upward there. 31 attempts at the rim, which also included, seven of which included dunks. Are these the same Wisconsin Badgers? I do not think so. So that was cool to see. Um and that, as I kind of mentioned before, that led to shooting 26 of the 35 free throws in the second half, which, yeah, oh. what that first half was definitely a little, you know, on edge a little bit. You know, we weren't had 10 days off, you know, not playing our best ball, but they yep. definitely took it to the to the to the hoop the second half. And, um, you know, it, that's definitely something that, you know, that stood out in this game. And it wasn't just, you know. Tyler Wall and, uh, you know, big man, Stephen Crowell, AJ store was obviously a big part of that too. Getting yep. to the bucket, John Blackwell, I think had a couple, um, buckets as well, but you know, we're doing a very, we did a much better job getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line and just icing it away there. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> Mike said he was working only cost the last couple highlights when the Badgers assist off the backboard. That hasn't happened in a long time. That ties right in to what Jake's going to talk about with the highlight reels. So Jake wants to talk about the highlight reels and the pace. I'm gonna I'm gonna add something to Mikey again. I'm I'm feeling uh, philosophical today. I don't know what's going <laughs> on, man. But 
you know, I'm going to make another comparison. And you talked about the first half, right, where it was kind of, you know, back and forth and we were obviously tied at half, right? I want to compare it to a boxing match, right? And there's – and, you know, you're a boxer and you may be a little bit rusty. You're just going to give some jabs, kind of feel the guy out. And then the second half was, okay, this is where he's leaning. This is where the open spot is. Bam, 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 haymaker, lob off the backboard. Are you shitting me right now? Are you sh- Are you shitting me? How about the pass to Chucky? How about that? That was phenomenal too. That was just as good as the as the That's, dunk that little opinion. stretch by Chucky was was amazing. But the pass to get the Chucky set up the entire play. Uh, what was that? Was that uh, was that Crowell or was that Wall that that threw that? I don't. Remember. I believe it was Wall, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, I, I think it was Tyler Wall. Because if it was Wall, it makes perfect that. sense because. I'm going to talk about some because I picked two topics that go hand in hand, in my opinion. And you want to just talk about the highlights real quick. Obviously, the one, the one that was number two on ESPN top ten plays last night was, you know, the lob off the backboard, right? But there was a number of dunks by AJ Store last night. He had one cutting back door. He had one where he bully balled somebody. He looked like Yannick wearing number two in a in a Badgers uniform and two hands slammed it. I was like, what in the hell? <laughs> I don't right think he gets pulled. Get pulled if they didn't pull it off. I don't think he gets pulled. That's Probably right. not. No. Um, no, I wouldn't say that. We got to remember too. He probably wasn't a hundred percent either. Um, you know, he had he that groin injury, and he yeah, and he didn't practice. You know, all week le- leading up to it either. The most like the time I think four, he got. Think. Yeah, until Monday. So yeah. uh, just something to keep in mind too. I try to keep that in mind yeah. in the back of my head as the game is going on, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. Other guys made up for it at the end of the day. So, Jake, talk about oh, pace, and then I want to get back to I want to get back to this question because I have some thoughts on it. I want people to see my beautiful face, and I forgot to turn my light on, so I apologize for that. You can now hear me and see how beautiful I am. So, um, let me get to the pace real quick, and I think we can have a really great discussion on this. So, you guys like highlights, huh? Because I like highlights too. And something that goes along with highlights is pace, which is like possessions per game and spacing. And I think that a faster pace could help the Badgers with both those things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and, and another thing I want to add in real quick before I get into this is the Badgers have struggled from the three-point line a lot this year, but I feel like a lot of their shots have like been forced. In my At opinion. the end of the shot clock. Yeah. Max so, kind of gets forced into that, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, Chucky gets, I mean, everybody does really. I mean, four of 16 from, from three and two, two of the makes, two of two, not stealing any of your thunder, Tyler, but we're, we'll see no, um, So the, the Badgers' pace right now is 67.3. That is number 327 out of 362. Okay? Now, before I get into this, people are going to hear that number. They're going to be like, oh, my God, we play so slow. We don't. You know, when, no. you, when you look at the numbers, I mean, they're, they're all decimal points. Yeah. You know, very close. This, this <clears throat> You know, the person that's 320 – like 320 could be 67.2. I mean, that's that's how yeah. close this all is, right? But when you when you go to Iowa, who we played last night, they're number 15 in pace of play at 77.1. Now, you don't think that their pace of play kind of forced our pace of play and right. allowed us yes, to get down. out and run? Yep. I mean, I think that it did. And if you look at this Badgers team, we're not a classic Badgers team. We're not a grinded out. We have athletes on this team. AJ yeah. Store. In my opinion, now this might sound, you know, you know, recency biasy, but 
he might be one of the best athletes to ever put a Badgers uniform on. You see how high that guy jumps, dude? That is insane. He had a We're couple of dunks last night. We're going to get to it. Stop honor on my question that I'm going to ask you guys. <laughs> he, he was – his feet are at people's midsections, dude. That's not normal. You don't just do that, okay? Now, you go, you go to another team that we played early in the year, and that is uh, Arizona. Arizona is number three in pace of play at 79.5. So you go from number 15 to number three by two more possessions. And you, you think about an Arizona team, they got guys that can run, they, they get easy shots in transition, they get three-pointers. I think the Badgers could take something out of that. Now, do they need to be doing 79 possessions per game? Do they need to go up 12? No, I'm not saying that at all. But if they could get up to – here's their next opponent, Nebraska, right? And we're going to talk about them. Nebraska's their next opponent. They're number 189 at 71.3. You're telling me if you give the Badgers four or five more possessions per game, and they get two more, three more clean looks at, at a three-pointer or dunks, you're telling me that doesn't make a difference in, in wins in these big-time games when it comes to tournament time? I think it does. Mm-hmm. So the Badgers need to just tick it up just a little bit. I think Chucky fits better in that offense. I think A.J. Storr fits better in that offense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this is going to sound really unpopular because Tyler Wall fits really good in the classic Badgers offense, but I think Tyler Wall would thrive in a faster-paced offense. Finishing at the rim, footwork. He, he could use his size. He could use He'd his creativity on the rim. He'd be a monster in fast-paced offense. Okay, let me continue your your thoughts here because you're you know I'm thinking about it. If if Tyler Wall is sprinting to the block, mm-hmm. and say teams are gonna try to like suck down and double team him, yep. that you don't think that Tyler Wall can hit that lean underneath the basket kick out pass to a three point shooter in the corner. I mean, yeah, it's not like he hasn't. He has. <laughs> and his name is John Blackwell. And I or, like him shooting wide open jumpers. Or fully healthy Connor Asijan. Greg Gard said he's been putting good practices together. Come on, man. Or, you know, there, there's a number of guys. I mean, get Chucky some open looks. Get him cooking early. I mean, yep. there's just so many good things that happen with pace and space. And then the five man. You get Stephen Crowell trailing all that action. And he just plants himself at the top of the key in transition while everybody else is looking at the paint. And Stephen Crowell can get some wide open threes. Who does that sound like, Tyler? It sounds like Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. It does sound like Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. And they shoot a lot of top of the key three pointers. They make a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> so give yeah, me that, some more of that. Yeah, absolutely. So let me say this before I get into my subjects here. When Stephen Crowell presents himself as a threat on the three point line, good things happen every single time it's true every single time he presents himself as a threat on the three-point line good things happen he did it last night he was two for two the second one that he made put the badgers on an 8-0 run good things happen every single time he presents himself as a threat and that's what i want him to do he doesn't have to shoot it every time but present yourself as a threat so that is that in itself is a good thing now, you talked about A.J. Storr, and I didn't tell you guys I was going to ask this question, but who do you remember was the last player as athletic as A.J. Storr? I have a couple you know, that come to mind, but who would you say? I mean, most recently, Khalil Iverson. But Khalil yep, Iverson doesn't have his shot, hit uh, A.J. Storr's shot or anything like right. that either. Just strictly like jumping out of a building. The most yeah. jumping, yeah, out of the gym, I should say, not out of a building. Yeah. But um, 
Khalil Iverson's the most recent that I can yeah. think of off the top of my head. Uh, Michael said I'm Michael sure Finley, which which is fair. Maybe Devin Harris, maybe, but I don't know if you put them in that category. That's... I don't. I think AJ Store is more athletic than Devin. Yeah, Harris. and, I, and Jake well, and I, Jake and I had this discussion. We talked about Johnny Davis. Johnny, Johnny Davis would be athletic, up there. That's fair. I think that's but fair. He's he's smaller though. So a guy at at forward where Johnny Davis is more of a shooting guard, like a guy that's AJ Store's size and athletic. And then you're like, you're looking at like Khalil Iverson and maybe Alondo Tucker. Sam Decker was six, eight. Sam Decker is fair. Sam Decker is fair. But I mean, you're still, we're in 2024 now. You're talking about Sam Decker. That was 10 years ago. Oh, I know. So don't make me feel any older than I am. Oh my God. That is, (laughs) that is nuts, man. I'm thinking. You know what? And Tyler, you said we had this discussion, right? And when yep. when we had this discussion, we were talking about Johnny Davis. We both agreed that, like, yes, Johnny Davis is athletic, but his athleticism is more like his quickness, speed. Yep. So he he, he is like he's got the you know the ability to slither and get to the rim, and yep. you know where where AJ Store is loud. Like when he yeah. when he gets to the rim and he scores, it's loud. Like yep. you've heard this term in basketball, like. This guy had a quiet 20. This guy had a loud 20. Like, AJ Storr last night had 16 points. Very loud 16 points. Yeah. You felt all 16 points if you were an Iowa fan. And this is the thing with him, is that he was 7 of 13 from the field, which is efficient. That's a little over 50%. Yep. He was 1 for 6 on threes. Dog. Which means means he was 6 of 7 on twos. He could have went nuts last night, bro. So Brad said, "Is there any chance a guard has learned from Fickle that change is good?" And I don't, I don't think that it's necessarily something that Fickle changed in Greg Gard. I think it's just a thing we needed to be a little bit patient with Greg Gard. And I'm gonna come back to why I'm saying this, but I want to finish on AJ Store first. Okay. And Jake and I talked about this a little bit last night that we think that AJ Store is drawing confidence since his 29 point game. He yep. set a new career high, and you know it's it's giving him more confidence to be like, like I can be that dude. And then back to Brad's question about does Chucky get pulled if they don't pull that playoff, that off the backboard play. First of all, props to Chucky Hepburn for trusting AJ Store to go get that ball. Props to AJ Store for going and getting it and finishing it. Props and, to the Iowa guy for getting dunked on. Thank you. Ah, uh, dude, yeah. that's one of those things where it's like if you're the Iowa guy, like you got to play the player, not the ball. Bruh, that's a AJ that's one of those things, up bro. two feet and just rises up his back, and I'm just like, oh no. You know what I, I really wanted to do that. with that video? I really want to do with that video. Like, you ever seen those videos where, like, it, like, goes through halfway through the video, and it goes, this is where he realized he fucked up. And then just show the <laughs> Iowa guy's face, <laughs> and then just continue, wham! <laughs> and then the yes. bench goes absolutely crazy. <laughs> now, why I think this is so important, and why I, I talked to a couple people that commented on the video about it, is... You know, it's it's a flashy play. It's not something that, you know, that our dad's Badgers would have done. But I do think it's important to try stuff like that once in a while. Because here's the thing. Momentum is a bigger deal in college basketball, arguably, than any other sport. I, it's that, I think that. momentum in college yeah. basketball is more important, seriously, than any other sport. I don't disagree with that. I think momentum in general is bigger in basketball. So I agree with that. And I think it's a bigger – I think momentum is bigger deal than college basketball than it is in the NBA. I can see that. 
especially when you talk about like crowds getting into games like yeah. when you college get into general, college yeah. basketball and crowds are into it it rattles opponents more than it does in the nba yep. yeah so i i truly believe that momentum is a huge deal and making a play like this was a momentum play this game mm-hmm. did not get close again after that play it did not get within i don't think it got within eight points and if it did it wasn't within six after that yeah that's that play right. was the momentum play for the rest of the game. And this was, I would think it was like eight minutes left in the game that that mm-hmm. play happened. Mm-hmm. So momentum is a real thing. And like I said, I will, I'll stand on it. I think it, momentum is more important in college basketball than any other sport, especially when you get to tournament time. Cause obviously yeah. everything is a one game and you go home. Yeah. So to have momentum building through the game and then through the games, as you continue to advance in the bracket, Having having some plays like that once in a while, that momentum, it's seriously important. And just something for other teams to additional for other teams to, you know, scout for now. You know, we're not the the necessarily the slow team. Like you said, your dad's badgers, right? Right. I mean, they other teams know now we we can get up and run now too. And we got we got the versatility to do that. I don't think that's going to be a hidden secret anymore so um, nebraska's gonna no. be watching tape and be like fuck we gotta worry about these guys throwing off the backboard oops now what the hell yeah fresh okay <laughs> second thing that i took away from this was actually stephen crowell's post-game comments so here's the thing we talked about this a whole bunch of times last season stephen crowell said I think we are a pretty confident group going into every game. This year feels different than last year, and that's just some of the guys we have. What did we say all of last season? Let Greg Gard get this recruiting class in. Let Greg Gard get another year of transfer portal players, and look how important the new guys are this year. AJ Storr immensely important he's changing the face of the program a little bit when we talk about athleticism oh yeah john blackwell he was probably the third freshman that we thought was going to be impacting games and he's number one he's been extremely important to this i will say nolan or nolan winter is that correct am i saying yeah sorry I read a lot of names during the week so (laughs) i will say that nolan winter looks like he's getting a little bit more comfortable I, dude, I'm you know you guys know I'm a big Nolan Winter guy, so like I think he's going to be a bigger deal when we get to that. But seriously, I mean the new faces. We said this all of last season, all of last year when people were like fire Greg Gard, fire. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then. Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good guard. And we're just like, let him get these guys in because we have some dudes coming. And yeah. now they're here, and the Badgers look like a really good basketball team, and Greg Card looks like a really good basketball coach. Shocking. But he'll never get credit. You know, he can't recruit. Yeah, no one will ever give him credit. Which I mean, is, which Mike, is stupid. Like, we Mike, talk about it all the time. We're about the same people that waited for Jordan Love to get Conference Player of the Week before they said, oh, he might be the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Not that he beat the defending Super Bowl champs or, or beat a really good Detroit team on the road or, you know, you know, breaking all these records and throwing for 30 touchdowns. I mean, they had to wait till he won an award for them to, to be like, you know what, maybe I was wrong. You yeah. might need to get those apology forms heated up there, Tyler. Um, oh, hey. Ooh. Once again. Ooh. I'm writing that again. down. I'm going to put a pin on that. Yep. I'm going to write down Greg Gard apology form. Yep. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. A couple more I mean, uh, signature wins in the hat, and I think uh, I think we're in business. Heat them up for but, yeah, sure. That, that's really what my second thing was was to bring up that we said you know wait for some of these guys to get here. Okay. All right, the Badgers again between now and next Wednesday only have one game. They play Nebraska tomorrow. So that said, Mike, what are you looking for against Nebraska tomorrow night? Or no, sorry, Saturday. Saturday night. Nebraska Saturday. plays Indiana tomorrow, and then the Badgers, yeah. uh, the Badgers in Nebraska is on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, looking forward to watching that actually. Um, but you know, I kept it pretty simple on this first one. Um, you know, just limit the turnovers and that slow ass start that we had yesterday. I get it. Ten days off, growing pains. Yeah. You know, getting back in the swing of things. Rust. That's fine. I mean, the turnovers in the first half were definitely an issue. It's something and definitely preventable too, for the most part, honestly. Um, you know, we had third, I think we had 13 total off the top, top of my head. So yep, I know right. it, it has been worse in games past, but specifically that first half just wasn't the greatest. So just don't shoot ourselves in the foot. We're going to be on our home floor again on Saturday. Um, you know, hopefully it's a, it's a good crowd. It should be a good crowd Saturday afternoon game. Uh, there's no need, there's no need for us to, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot again. So, um, and then I guess, uh, my first, my call out since we're playing Nebraska, and we gave up that 20-point lead last year. We need some revenge, right? So we got to shut down Tominaga, that the Asian, that the three-point, mm. three-point specialist, that lefty. He absolutely cooked us last year. That was um, annoying. Yeah, that was bad. That was at Nebraska. Like I said, we had a 20-point lead. Things were going good, and all of a sudden they were just downhill. So we got to limit the threes with that guy. I know they got other players, but that's the first dude that pops in my head because I Put think John Blackwell on him. He's a bigger, yeah. more athletic defender. Yeah. Yeah. He put he dropped about six or seven threes on us and just absolutely smoked us that second half. So uh we gotta shut his ass down, I think, first and foremost. All right. So now we mentioned Nebraska playing Indiana tomorrow. So my first thing is to either 
end Nebraska's win streak. They're on a four-game win streak. So to either end that if they beat Indiana or if they lose Indiana, to send them on the beginning of a losing streak. That's seriously just one of my goals is to either keep them with L's or start sending them some L's. Yeah. They're they're playing pretty well right now. Uh, their record is actually very similar to the Badgers. They're but, losing too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're actually, yeah, I think they have one less loss than the Badgers. Yep. So that, and then my second goal is for the Badgers' depth to hit their strides together. So looking at it, the Badgers had 15 bench points against Iowa. The Badgers had four guys in the starting lineup that scored 15 points or more. Yeah. So the Badgers, the bench has some opportunity, and that's not to say that the starters need to score less, but it's more for the bench guys to be a little more efficient and a little more aggressive to help to help build leads when the starters are on the bench and not just – you know, tread water or, you know, maintain a lead or only let the lead get smaller by two or four points or something like that. Right. So if, if for, for if John Blackwell and Nolan Winter and, and even Kamari McGee, who is pesky defensively, um, but not a, you know, not a big scorer. I mean, even Carter Gilmore, who I will say is pretty solid on offensive rebounds uh, as far as his scoring goes. But if all these guys hit their stride at the same time and all play one, you know, play their best game at the same time. I truly believe the Badgers can blow Nebraska out. Yeah. Not necessarily that I'm calling for that or expecting it, but I think they're capable of it if all the bench hits their stride at the same time. So those are my two goals for Saturday. Uh Jake, what are your two goals for the Badgers against Nebraska? So, I'm just going to double down. I was talking about the pace of play earlier and I want them to play faster. That's my first goal. Play faster. I believe that will help the bench as well. I mean, this team is literally like made to play a faster pace. You don't think Nolan Winter wants to play a faster pace and John catch, some, catch some three pointers, you know, uh, you know, in transition. That's the kind of guy he is. He's a big guard. I mean, let's just call it what it is, right? He, he's like Nate Reavers, like we said. He is. And then uh, you you were tiptoeing around it, Tyler. And I don't know if he I don't know if he's going to be ready on Saturday, but I say give Connor some minutes. You know, I'm I'm ready for for Connor season. Um, and imagine him <laughs> wide open in the corner on the fast break, dude. I mean, I'm really just all for this faster pace. I mean, a couple of years ago we had a discussion about it, but this roster is just literally set up for it, in my opinion. Um, but g- giving Connor some minutes I think would be a good thing, uh, especially against a Nebraska team. Give him some minutes against a Big Ten opponent. I think it. Uh, I don't think Nebraska has too many guys that are just going to blow you out of the water. I, I know that's kind of shit talk, but I know they got a couple good players. But they really only – I think their leading score is averaging like 13 points or 14 points. So, I mean, that's yeah, not like thir- – Yeah, 13.7. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. And, you know, you, you want to talk about Nebraska's record. I can almost 100% guarantee that they didn't go through a gauntlet, a three-game stretch like the Badgers did. I can almost guarantee that. So – Best team they've played is Creighton, number 15, and they lost by 29 points. Creighton's pretty good, actually. But Creighton is pretty good, but, but that's the only ranked team they've played. And they got their their, ass their, their season start was Lindenwood, Florida A and M, Ryder, Stony Brook, Oregon State, Duquesne, and then Fullerton. And those were all home games. You might as well just play the fucking Walmart third shifters at that point. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm surprised they don't have the Alabama school for the deaf on there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So th- this should not be close. I mean, 
we keep talking about last night's game against Iowa where the Badgers kind of started slow after their big layoff. They scored 83 points, dude. They finished the game with 83 points. Like, that potential is insanity, in my opinion. So, let's just go out there, play a little bit faster, get some more shots up there. Maybe we'll do two dunks off the backboard this game. I don't know. Uh, dude, there was a brief moment where I was like, dude, is Chuck, you going to throw the second one off the backboard too? <laughs> and then he went oh, and got an and one. And I'm just like, I'll take that too. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's what it does, though. That's exactly. What that it makes you guys exactly think about does. it. Like, like, fuck, this just happened 20 seconds ago. Is he going to try it again? Right. Um, Dude, if he would have, I would have lost my shit. I would have absolutely lost my <laughs> shit if Chuck would have done that two times in a row. So I'm a, I'm a very passionate guy when I watch my sports. There, there's, there's, there's a reason we haven't like watched the game live yet because I'm still kind of honing in my emotions and how I want to be on the camera. So when that happened, I was laying down pl- playing games with my daughter and stuff, and you know, I stood up and I was just like. There's no fucking way that just happened. Like I was just, I was just like standing there, didn't move. I didn't know what to do with my body, so I had my arms out here like weird, right? If you would have did it a second time, I might have just walked outside and went for a walk because I would not have known how to react. <laughs> it would have been wild, dude. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. All righty. Well, Mike, we will have you back again next week to discuss that Nebraska game. Until then, we will see you later. And have a good night. Sounds good. A quick shout out to you mentioned Kamari McGee very briefly. Got to give a shout out to him real quick. I'm so sorry. I forgot to mention he was plus 10 in the first half. Mind you, when we had a shit first half, Kamari McGee, when he was in there, plus 10, plus 10 points, two, two points, three steals, two rebounds. Had to get that in there because he had some very clutch plays. Nice. Mm. All righty. I'm bad. See you next Wednesday, Mike. Later, gents. All righty. So, sticking with basketball, we got three Milwaukee Bucks games to talk about. We got power pair and underrated performers. I usually make you go first, so I'm going to go first. I like it. So, I get to have Giannis this week. Um, Tim, you're the man. I appreciate everybody. I know Brad's been watching during the show, too. Uh, appreciate you guys donating your winnings to the fantasy football or from the fantasy football league. Um, I got second place. Tim's, Tim's winning in our side, and I'm going to get second place. Um, but we appreciate that everybody is willing to do that. It's uh, it's a really cool gesture by everybody who is willing to do so, and we appreciate it, and it's going to help us. So we thank you guys for that. That's pretty um, that's pretty sick, man. That's pretty cool, you guys. Yeah, for sure. On to power pair mine. I get Giannis this week. He averaged 32 points, 14.7 rebounds, 8 assists, 1.3 blocks per game. Dude is uh, – he's really good at basketball. Yeah, MVP. And – Percentages, 64.8 from the field, 0% from three. We're going to have a discussion about that. And 74.3% from the free throw line, which is, by Giannis standards, fantastic. Yep. Um, so we will take that. Um, Michael said, Brad and I are 0.02 points separated after the first round. Going to be a nail-biter. Whew. Yeah. Man. That's, uh, that's tough. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that stress. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Brad, by the way. And then my other one, I went with Chris Middleton, 20.3 points a game, three rebounds, nine assists. Dog, we're going to have a discussion about Chris Middleton. Man, okay. (laughs) He was 58.5% from the field, 40% from three, and 87.5% from the free throw line. Chris Middleton is balling the last week and a half. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely balling. Mm-hmm. And then my underrated performer, I didn't pick a player. I kind of went a little tricky on this one, kind of cheated a little bit, but I went with the Bucks defense. Now, you know, I get that people are still going to be like, oh, the Bucks defense is terrible. They're terrible, terrible. The the upgrade that the Bucks made offensively is much larger than the defensive downgrade. Mm-hmm. Now, slowly but surely, the Bucks defense is getting better. If I'm not mistaken, it was at the end of November, they were 24th in defensive rating. And then going into the Indiana game on Monday, they were at 17th. They're getting better. Exactly. Slowly but surely, they're getting there. The rotations are getting faster. We're definitely, definitely seeing flashes of that. And we're seeing uh, stretches of good defense. It's it's happening. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, a little bit of static. Eventually, it's going to build up, you know, into you know a shock of lightning and it's going to be defense is going to be there it's going to be there and jake to your credit you talked about if the bad if the bucks hiring that new coach for the offensive side of the ball can allow adrian griffin to dictate some of his attention to the defense that's Mm -hmm. only going to benefit the bucks so good call on that thank you sir (laughs) all right give me your power pair and underrated performer so just real quickly on the defense, you could tell the defense is getting better by the three-point numbers they gave up this last week from the opponents. We didn't have a single opponent hit double-digit threes on us this week. This, yeah, this two. That's, that's three games. Dude, Brad, I got to tell you, I don't want to get too much into it, but once they get Crowder back, if they can get – I mean, I'm this is me projecting stuff. When Pat gets going a little bit because, yep. you know – Still getting his legs, and people just really underestimate like how fast and how physical NBA basketball is. Yeah, they do that all the time. It's classic. So when Pat gets his legs fully back, and if we get a real backup point guard, then this team will skyrocket. But we'll get into that. So for power pair, I went with Dame. Listen, man, I could talk all day about numbers, but the pull that Damian Lillard has quite frankly, just makes him a power pair player every week. Yep. Plain and simple. Uh, he averaged 18 points, four rebounds, four assists. He did have a bad shooting week this week. He was 16 of 42 from the field. That's 38%. And 6 of 24 from three, that's 25%. But I have some opinions on him that I do want to talk about. I already told you some of it. Yep. Um, but I do want to talk about it, and I want to get, you know, the opinions of the peanut gallery over here. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call you in a respectful way. Um, but even with those bad shooting numbers, he still ended the week plus 17. So, I mean, I don't know what we're doing. There's reasons for that. There is. I mean, and we'll give you the context. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, my second one I picked, uh, I had to take a step back because it's Malik Beasley. Not a boy. Not Mikhail Beasley. Yeah. <laughs> but. Beasley, uh, who averaged 14 points, three rebounds. He had an assist. He shot 58% from the field. That's uh, 15 to 26. And 58% from the three-point line. The guy was on fire. Okay, Man, he's one of the top three-point shooters in, in the entire NBA. Yeah, he I'm going to pull it up because I know he is. That's for a fact that he is. Yeah, I think he just made his 1,000 three-pointer. Am I correct last game? Was it his 1,000 three-pointer? Um, let me see. I know I have it written down. Um, he did a yes, thousand, thousand, thousand three-pointer. Yep, you're correct. So he finished the week at plus 10. So 
I also went a different way this week uh, with mine. And <laughs> before Tyler gave me credit, I was going to give credit to Adrian Griffin. He's number two. He's number two? Okay. Take now, a stab at who number one is. And he's a bargain. True. Yep. Number one for a three-point percentage? Yep. Oh, that's Big name. Tough. Big name? Big name. Top like, five player. Oh. Like a big, big name. Yeah. Just tell me, west or east? West. West. Southwest. Devin Booker? Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant. Ah, I knew it was going to be somebody on Phoenix because it wasn't Kevin crazy. Durant is 47.7. Malik Beasley is 47.0. Top two three-point shooters in the league. I just got to tell you, that's fucking insane that Kevin Durant is shooting that good with everybody being out of the lineup, and Phoenix is a fucking mess. <laughs> Durant Man. is a stud. Like, I'm never going to take anything away from Durant's talent because he's a monster. Absolutely. But wow, is he a flip-flopper. Just say that. Him and James Harden were literally made for each other. <laughs> but I'm going to give it to Adrian Griffin for realizing that he had too much on his plate. Okay? He needed an offensive guy. He needed to focus more on defense. And he heard all the noise. You know, everybody talking about how bad this defense was. And also, can I just talk about how – Dumb ESPN is real quick. Why every time they talk about the Bucks, they talk about us like we're the 30th ranked defense? When I saw that we were ranked 17th, because I didn't look into any of the numbers, when I saw that we were ranked 17th, I was like, why the fuck is everybody acting like we're the worst defense in the league? Okay, here's the thing. This is what bothers me about it, is the fact that they'll acknowledge that the Bucks got worse on defense, but will not talk about how much like how much more insane the Bucks' offense is. The Bucks have already scored 140 points more times this year so far than they did the entire year last year. Dude, We're not they, even they, halfway through the season. They scored 140 points the same amount of times in the month of December that they did the entire year last year. Yeah. That's nuts. We're going to talk about some of those December numbers because they're ridiculous. Not just season or franchise. History of the league, ridiculous offense. Yeah, yeah. But no, everybody just wants to talk about their defensive downgraded because they got rid of Drew Holiday. And, and people act like, and this is what really makes me mad, is like, not mad, I guess, annoyed. People act like Horse is just going to sit on his hands and not make any moves. Like, I can 100 like, when has he ever done that for one? He's former GM of the year. Put some respect on John Horst. He's going to get a guy or two in here that's going to help shape this roster for the yeah. playoffs, okay? And he's not going to give, like, a ton away. I Like, everybody's talking about – there was an article on Wisconsin Sports Dumb this morning, and it said Chris Middleton could be traded. I'm like, why? Oh, my fucking God, dude. Why, that's tight, why, bro. Who, oh, my God. Who sat in front of their computer and was just like, yeah, I've been watching the Bucks for the last two weeks. I think they should trade Chris Middleton. And then, an, and then an editor went and was like, yeah, that's a good idea. We should publish that. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, I mean, seriously, gonna get... that, and I, that... and I, dude, seriously, like that site, like I, I, honestly, as far as talking poorly about other content creators go, there is a true difference in quality and quantity because that site is all about quantity and it shows in their engagement. When they have one, two, three, four likes on a post. And then you look at ours, where we prioritize the quality of what we do. And I think that's part of why we have such a great following that we do. And we appreciate our following mm -hmm. is the engagement on our stuff. 
Yeah, and we don't like we don't just throw stuff together just to throw stuff together just to get a, get an X number of posts per day, right? Like right. we want to make sure that we're we're giving you guys something that's worthwhile when you're scrolling on your phone, whether yeah. it be you at work, whether it be you in the morning, whether it be you at, at night after dinner. Like we want to give like, you guys something to up, enjoy. Like whatever it is. We yeah, we want to prioritize that quality. And my point, what was I saying? What was I saying? Uh, Chris Milton. We're not just going to give Bobby Portis away because you're fucking mad, okay? I have to say this. I'm looking into the camera and saying this. We're not just going to give Bobby Portis away because you don't like that he had a bad shooting game. Please Same stop with thinking Milton. with your emotions. Please. Yeah. That is not how the real world works, for one. And that is not how sports business works. Okay? Yeah. Now, we talk about business or relationships matter because they do. And you want to talk about a guy that has a good relationship with his fan base? His name is Bobby Portis. Yep. When you go to the game and you're all excited, right? You're like, man, I get to watch Giannis. I get to watch Dame. And then you know what? And this is just me assuming the third most popular name probably is probably Bobby Portis. Because Bobby can do a lot of things on the scale of basketball. It's Yeah, it's probably between Bobby and Chris. You know, Bobby Portis can make a couple three-pointers in a row. The crowd can start chanting Bobby, which is Dude, really if Bobby Portis gets an offensive rebound and an and one, the crowd is chanting Bobby every time. He could pound his chest. He could get into it with another player. Bobby Portis is awesome, and he's great energy for this team. We're yep. not going to trade him because you're mad at him on a fucking Thursday. Move on with your life. God damn it. You got to zoom out. When it comes to when it comes to an 82 game NBA season and there's one bad game, that's where you have to zoom out and be like, okay, it's one game. You look at his stats for the whole season and you calm down. You have just, to zoom out. And I'm and so to to the perspective, because that's how we are, we want to acknowledge all of the perspectives. You have to do it on good offensive nights too. You know, we're we're not gonna sit here and say the that you 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 uh, pen in all the good games and pencil in and then erase the bad ones or, or that you ride super high on the highs and you ride a little bit low on the lows. Like it's, it's both. It's both. It's a, it's a experience of impermanence. It's a real thing. Um, Brad said also think uh, what Giannis would say and come back. I'm going to come back to what Giannis would say. Cause I saw somebody say something, make a stupid suggestion on Facebook yesterday. And when it comes to Bobby Portis again, and it, same with Damian Lillard, we know these guys are capable of great things. So when they don't have those, those games all the time, because mm-hmm. nobody is 100% consistently good all the time mm-hmm. is it's going to go back and forth. What the hope is, is that it all makes them better so that when the games start causing, you know, like win or you go home type moments, that is when they're performing at their best. That's what the hope is. That's what the regular season is for. And bottom line, the Bucks are 24 and nine. They are second in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Oh, God, we're two games behind for first place. Oh, everybody, the sky is falling. Christ. <clears throat> Michael said, Bobby Portis in a hockey sense is the enforcer. You can't tell me his eyes don't creep the frack out, the freak the crap out of opponents at times. <laughs> Man, I bet they do. You see that, and it's just like it's it's like the deer becomes the headlights. 
That's how Bobby Portis's <laughs> eyes are. It's not deer in the headlights. It's like the deer is the headlights now. Oh, that's too good. That was a good one. I like it. <laughs> okay. Real quick, Brad, because you brought up thinking about what Giannis would say. I saw somebody in a Milwaukee Bucks group say the Bucks should release Robin Lopez to sign Montrez Harrell. Oh, God. Here we go. I saw that, too. He and... averages 12, 12 points and five rebounds in his career. He would do more than, than Robin Lopez. Yes. Let's bring in a guy that's known to have issues with Giannis. Let's, let's literally bring in a guy that would kill chemistry. Chemistry is a real thing, and Robin Lopez is good for it. Yeah, I saw your comment on there, and then he was like, "What, what was his? What was his reply? I don't remember his reply." Uh, it was, "Yeah, but the numbers aren't per. It's you know, it's personal. You know, look yeah, at yeah, numbers, yeah, personal. Like, Dude, chemistry is a real thing." Yeah, so he usually says something like, "Learn that about life, buddy." And I'm thinking to myself, like, "Bro." You are absolutely barking up the wrong tree about perspective on life. I can promise you that. Uh, yeah, especially when it comes to our show. Like, <laughs> we just talked about this, like with with nil. Uh, and here's and this is something we're like with our show. If you know, if there was some sponsor that came along that you know philosophically did not agree with us, and then you know there was a, a competitive, you know, sponsor that had like a better relationship with us, like let's use Cardboard Legacy because they are our sponsor. If there was another card shop and they were like two like douchey dudes and they were like, we want to give you guys twice as much money, but we're dicks. Like, we don't want to work with them. No. We want to work with good people. Nick Same good goes people. with the NBA. You want to work with good people. Did we just forget about the ladder incident that happened last year? <laughs> I mean, who is the main culprit of that? You want that on our team? We're trying to win a title. We don't need fuckery. Culture and chemistry are real. They are real things. They are like when it comes to things like free agency. If you come to a season and you're like, okay, this Bucks team had Montrez Harrell and it caused a bunch of problems in their locker room, you think you think a, a free agent is going to want to sign here next year? You think Malik Beasley is going to want to return if the rest of his season he has a poor time because Montrez Harrell's a douchebag? Yeah. You want that guy in your locker room? Oh, he averages 12 points for his career more than Robin Lopez. I don't care. We're talking about the last seat on the bench at that point. Give me character over career when it comes to a guy who's going to sit in the 15th chair. Yep. I don't um, give a shit because you could sign. I mean, you could sign the ghost of Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, cool. He's still going to be sitting on the end of your bench. It does not matter. At that point, the character of your players matters more because the rest of those seats are filled. Now, if Brook Lopez were to like tear an ACL or something like that, and we were needing to sign somebody who was going to play and perform, it would be different. And even then, Montrose Harrell would still not be in the discussion of players we should sign to play center for us. Just like all the people that wanted James Harden, like that's the exact same thing. Do you guys like live under a fucking rock or something? <laughs> like character is seriously it's a real thing. Character, culture, chemistry—the three C's. Don't fuck with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially in Milwaukee, where you have to have intangibles to draw people here because you're not L.A., New York, Chicago, Miami. Hundred percent, I agree. You have that. to have those intangibles. So that said, let's talk about a New York team and let's talk Bucks and Nets. Jake, what stood out to you from the Bucks and Nets game last week? All right, so Bucks and Nets, uh, another 144 point outing. So just 
have that going for us. Um, Giannis, 32-10-8. I mean, 32-10-8. That's, that's, that's what this guy does now. That's, that's insane. And he's seven feet tall, and he makes dad jokes. And he plays with a little tiny T-Rex during timeouts. I mean. That's for Lopez's. I know, but he, he plays with it he's, a little bit. He's like, he's one of those dudes where it's like, you would see him away from basketball and be like, that guy's kind of weird. <laughs> no, I would love that guy. He's funny. Well, he'd be fun to hang out with, but like if you didn't know him, like if you didn't know that he was like a world famous basketball player and then like you're just talking to that guy and he's got like a weird accent and he's like making dad jokes and he's like just like, you know, goofing around and be like, that guy's kind of weird. Actually, I don't disagree with you, to be honest. With Especially you. if he's wearing like a loose hoodie and you don't see that he's just like absolutely insanely ripped. Or that he jumps. Man, that weird guy is really tall. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so but he's Dane, our weird guy. <laughs> Dane didn't even play good and we scored 144, which is like the scariest shit I've ever seen in my life. He scored 12 points. 12. But you know who picked it up for us was Chris Middleton. So he was on one, bro. He was. The old school duo was was back. <laughs> um 27 points, three rebounds, 10 assists. Uh Beasley had 17 points, five three-pointers. Bobby played pretty good, took nice, made six of his nine shots. And yeah. the bench, including Bobby, scored 54 points. So, I mean, Hell yeah. the bench was fantastic in this one. We shot 58% from the field, 45% from three-point line, 41 assists. We had the same amount of rebounds and assists. That should be illegal. Oh my God! Let me just throw this out there. The first half, the Bucks had 19 assists on 24 field goals. Jesus, freaking! Like Christ. Brooklyn, you might have just had five cones out there. Yeah, <laughs> they only had 10 turnovers of those 41 assists, so four to one ratio. Hell yeah! Amazing. The one thing that is a glaring issue for me, though, is the points in the paint. We gave up 70 yeah, points in the paint. So if they could clean that up along with their perimeter defense, which is improving, by the way, yep. they're giving up a lot less three-pointers. Uh, yep. Brooklyn shot seven of 32. That's 21.9%. So we could start if we could start packing in the paint a little bit, I feel yep. like we're putting a, a little bit too much on Brook. I mean, Brook gives his best effort. But a lot of times I feel like Brook contests the shot, and then the guy that he's guarding gets the rebound and puts it back in. That's what I feel yeah. like happens a lot. but and, and it happened with the Knicks game too a lot where guys would be – you know, kind of looking like they're going to go up for floaters. And this is where, like, a guy like Halliburton and Jalen Brunson kind of, um, you know, they can have they can have big statistical nights, uh, is getting their – getting past their guys and then forcing Brooke to step up and then giving dump-offs. And that's where I brought this up actually last week when we talked about these games is just having to have that guy step up, um, the rotational guy, the next guy to step up sooner and force that pass to the corner three and then recover and close out. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, this is just a fun basketball game. Yeah. So <clears throat> first quarter, Pat Connaughton hit his 600th career three. Um, Chris Middleton started cooking with Dame and Giannis on the bench. Uh, Bobby Portis was also cooking. He had 10 points in the first half. Uh, Chris Middleton had 15 points and six assists at halftime. Uh, Giannis had 12 points at halftime. Marjan Bochamp, or sorry, Malik Beasley made three of three threes in the first half. The Bucks as a team, 11 of 25 on threes in the first half. It's 44%. The Nets were one of 13. That's 7.7% of threes in the first half. Um, and then I just want to talk about this. NBA officiating has been at best 
bad this year. At their best, collectively bad. Agreed. Brooke Lopez literally got a technical for headbutting a basketball after the buzzer went off at halftime. Yep. They literally gave him a technical for that. What what are we doing here? I, I got nothing, man. I, it's, I got... The ball is not in play. We are literally on dead time here. And you gave him a technical for headbutting a basketball. Not you didn't headbutt it at somebody. He just literally was just screwing around after the buzzer sounded, and you gave him a technical that affected the basketball game for that. What the hell are we doing here? I mean, <laughs> I, seriously, I would love to ask Adam Silver that question and be like, dude, what is the deal? You know, it's interesting that you propose that. It would be, you know, if, if you were in a closed room and there was no reporters, it would be really interesting to see his to hear his answer and see what he would say about the inconsistency of the refs. Yeah. So that said, getting into the second half, the Bucks were struggling to get some stops in the third quarter, but they also could not be stopped. And this is one of those things where the Nets were playing without a bunch of their starters. And I brought this up because they didn't really announce that a bunch of the starters were going to be sitting until like two o'clock in the afternoon. And it's almost not talent wise, but game plan and film preparation wise, it's almost harder to defend a group of reserves than all the starters. You game plan to go against Bridges and Dinwiddie and Cam Johnson and Cam Thomas. And then it's all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, like Cam Thomas is the only one who's going to play the whole game. Bridges is going to start and only play the first quarter. Yeah. Now you're playing a bunch of these guys who were like, okay, when this guy comes off the bench, he plays for like five to 10 to 12 minutes and he does this and this. And now it's like, okay, you're going against that guy for 30, 35 minutes. It, it kind of takes your game plan away. So I will say on the fly, that makes it a little bit tougher on defense. Uh, the Nets took a brief 79, 78 lead. Giannis started taking over after that. Even though the third quarter kind of went back and forth, the Bucks took an eight-point lead into the fourth quarter. Started it on a 7-2 run, got the lead up to 13 points, kept the pedal down, uh, and the Bucks dropped 44 points in the fourth quarter. Dang. The Bucks scoring went 32-34-34-44. Jesus. You brought up Chris Middleton having 27-10. and 10. He did it shooting 11 of 18 from the field and 3 of 7 from 3. This is yeah. like you see that you see that once in a while people do that uh, that Chris Middleton cycle thing. He's in the prime Jordan part of that cycle because he's making moves where he's doing a couple crossovers, spinning, and then fading back off the spin. Dude, the defender's not even there. The defender's not even there in Chris Middleton's mind, and that's where him being six foot seven, six foot eight, whatever you want to call him, benefits him as you know a small forward who's more of a big shooting guard. The defender's not there. Chris Middleton is playing one on zero in his mind when he's moving like that. Yep. And it's just buckets. <laughs> you brought up the, the defensive game planning on defending the paint, and I agree with you. That's going to be a theme, and it's something we just have to keep an eye on. It's not something that's going to be like, okay, this was the game where it was completely fixed and they never had to worry about it again. That's not how it works. It's all process. Yep. All process. You're just looking for incremental imp- improvement for things to get better as they go. That said, let's move into the Cavs game. What's it out to you from the Bucks and the Cavs? So Bucks and Cavs, um, yeah, 
Giannis and Dame cooked in this one, and Chris Middleton kind of played third fiddle. So that's the thing about having three guys is two of them are pretty much always guaranteed to go off, right? So in the game against the Nets, it was Giannis and Chris. Now it's Giannis and Dame. And you're going to just understand that, like, Giannis is just – and we kind of take this for granted, right? And people did it a lot with LeBron, and they do it with a lot of all-time greats. His consistency is fucking stupid. The fact that he could play every single game and score 30 fucking points is dumb. Um, 34 points, 16 rebounds, 5 assists, 14 of 22. I mean, Jesus. Uh, Damian Lillard, 31 points, 2 rebounds, 4 assists, 9 of 16. I mean... Back-to-back games for the Bucs to shoot 40, uh, over 40% from three, over 50% from the field. I mean, that's just great stuff. Uh, they did have a pretty high turnover number in this game, which I didn't like. Um, excuse me. They shot really well from the, the free throw line. Uh, Chris Middleton shot four of ten, but still had a double-double, 13 points, 11 assists. He was passing yeah. the ball really, really well. And he played good defense. Yes, he did. Uh, Brooke Lopez was one point away from the double-double. And Malik Beasley again with another five three-pointers. The bench took a big step back in this one, but the starters carried, and as they should, right? But the bench needs to get a little bit more consistent. That's probably the one thing that I took away from this. I agree. So Cavs jumped out to an 8-2 lead. Um, Giannis had a rare missed dunk. Shit happens. Happens once in a while. Cavs were getting a lot of second-chance points. Cavs had a 14 points, 14-6 lead early points in the game. Uh, Malik Beasley made back-to-back threes, and Jared Allen just having the first half of his life, you know, making short mid-range shots and scoring at the rim, which that he does do often. Um, mm-hmm. Got the lead down to six at the end of the first quarter, despite the being, you know, bigger. Uh, they were up by as much as nine. Cavs went into his zone in the second quarter. Um, the Bucks missed a shot and turned the ball over three times. Cavaliers got the lead up to 15 at one point. Um. Giannis and Dame come back in with the lead at 15, immediately go on a 10-0 run. <laughs> we were talking about that. <laughs> like that's that's what the Bucks offense presents. Yeah. It's not a situation where like you're putting guys back in and it's like, okay, you know, we gotta we gotta grind the lead down. It's like the, those two guys can come back in and it's just like, okay, boom, two thirds of the lead is gone. You know the stupid thing. I have I want to talk about something when you're done with this. So let me know when you're done with all your stuff. Also, I to add something in. Both those guys are capable of going on ten or runs by themselves. Oh yeah, that's what you that's what you yeah. traded for. And, so. and I'll say Chris is capable of going on six to eight or runs by himself. Agreed. Um, the Bucks to be down seven at halftime, considering the start of the second quarter, could be a lot worse. And the thing with the first half is Giannis and Malik Beasley had half of the Bucks points. They had twenty six <sighs> of the fifty two in the first half. Oh my god. So the Bucks again not playing their best and still only down seven. Yeah. To what they were the Cavs were the four seed last year. Yep. They're the and five I guess seed they have some injuries. Way. I'll I'll give them that. And I will give credit to the Cavs. They they tried something that I think worked for them for a little while until the Bucks, and I will give credit to Adrian Griffin for adjusting to this. The Cavs were using Isaac Okoro on Damian Lillard. It's a bigger defender. It was making things harder for him. Damian Lillard scored 31 points in this game, only seven in the first half. 24 of his 31 came in the second half. And what's the one thing that I texted you that was cooking? The pick and roll. The pick and roll was destroying in the second half. 
How much? How many times do we say to just like give them time to figure it out? Give them time to figure it out. We're 15 games in. Give them time to figure it out, and they're figuring it out, and they are destroying people. Yeah. And then in the third quarter between Giannis and Dame getting downhill, good things are happening. So Giannis getting downhill, he got himself a dunk and a layup. Chris Middleton getting downhill, kicked it out to Malik Beasley for a three. That tied the game. Brooke Lopez drove to the basket downhill and threw a lob to Giannis. Bro. Ass backwards. Like, what are, what's happening? I loved Giannis's interview and his answer after the game. Yeah, he said, we're going to put Dame at the five and let, and let Brooke Lopez run point guard. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So, Chris Middleton. A good defensive third quarter. He had two steals. One of them led to an assist. One of them led to a layup. Chris Milton had 10 assists with six minutes left in the third quarter. Damn. So you talk about when he has you know a bad shooting game, still affecting the game in a positive way. Absolutely yeah. did that amazing in this game. Very nice. Okay. Um, the offense just absolutely rolling. The defense was improving, and the Bucks built their lead up to 10 points. Then Brooke Lo- or Bobby Portis hit a three. Damian Lillard got a two, and the Bucks went on a thirty-six to fourteen run. That's an ass whooping. They went into the third. They went into the fourth quarter up twelve, after coming out of halftime down seven. <laughs> so the fourth quarter, the the first four minutes went back and forth. Uh, over the next minute, seventeen seconds after that, the Cavs cut the lead down to six. Actually, had it down to four at one point. Then Damian Lillard got a tough bucket. Giannis got a spin and slam, got the lead back up to eight. And then after that, it was kind of just a little bit back and forth, and the Bucs made their free throws to close it out. Now, this was the last game of 2023. <laughs> the Bucs went 11-2 and in December. It was the best record in the NBA. This is so stupid. The Bucs in December averaged 131.5 points. Averaged. Averaged 131 and a half points. That is the fourth highest scoring month in NBA history. Oh, damn. NBA history, the entire history of the NBA. This isn't just, you know, the most points of this season or the most points since the year 2000 or the most points since the three point line. This is the fourth most points in a month in NBA history. Wow. And, th- and that's with people not being terrified of us. Dude, just shut up that the Bucks took a step back on defense. We know that. They took four steps ahead on offense. Maybe five. Their biggest weakness over the last two years in the playoffs was half-court offense, and they are destroying people at it. They took their biggest weakness and made it their biggest strength. And all people want to talk about is that they took one of their bigger weaknesses or one of their bigger strengths, and now it's kind of a weakness, something that they need to work on. Not talking about the fact that the Bucks could not score against Miami in four of the five games, and that without Chris Middleton, Giannis couldn't outscore the Boston Celtics by himself. And now the Bucks are murdering teams with their offense. Top five in league history for a month. That's nuts. Shut up about the defense. That's the negative perspective where they're like, oh, we're only going to focus on what they got worse at and not talk about how amazingly better they are on offense than they have been in the last two years. It's not even close. 
We just talked about Malik Beasley. The number two three-point shooter in the entire NBA. Chris Middleton having amazing efficiency games. Back-to-back double-doubles. Average nine assists for a week. I mean, we can get into this Pacers game. Damian Lillard had probably his worst shooting game of the year. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks lost by nine. Lost by nine. The bench got outscored by 54. Yeah. Indiana had 70 bench points. The Bucks had four or had 16. The yep. Bucks bench got outscored by 54 points, and they lost by nine <laughs> to one of the best offenses in the NBA. The team with the fastest pace. They lost by nine. Dude, people got to chill out and just be like, oh, the Bucks, they lost to Indiana for the third time. Bro, I saw <laughs> I saw a comment. A guy said, I've seen enough. Give me Indiana in a playoff series. Um, Excuse me? Excuse me? What did you just fucking say? Did you just <laughs> – did you just did you just shit yourself all over the internet? You fucking dumb shit. Ooh, not in a seven game series. I I I really I'm gonna I'm gonna be so serious. I really hope we get Indiana in the playoffs. Yikes! They are not. They are a nice team. They yes. are fun to watch. Up and coming. They are not fucking ready for a storm of playoff Giannis. I can promise you that. <laughs> They're not ready for a regular season, Giannis. I can promise you that. You think regular season Giannis is giving them problems? Dude, they threw two defenders at him the entire night, and he had a triple-double. When he flips that fucking switch, he's one of the all-time best players of all time, of all of all the NBA history. One of the most unguardable human beings ever created by God. When he flips a fucking switch, it's done for Miles Turner. Dude, we just I just said it. The bench outscored the Bucks bench by 54, and Damian Lillard shot three of 16 from the field. And you won by nine points. You won by single digits with your bench beating the Bucks bench by 54 and Damian Lillard shooting three of 16. We got a Bucks game starting here in about probably 15 minutes time, 12 minutes till six till. You want to bet me $1,000 that Damian Lillard doesn't shoot three for 16 and the Bucks bench doesn't get outscored by 54 again? I would say that Damian Lillard is more likely to get 40 points than he is to go three of fucking 16 again. Yeah, I would agree with you. 100%. <clears throat> now, so, first g- quarter. Give, give me a breakdown. Okay. And then I give you, no, give your breakdown. Then I have a couple questions I want to ask you. Yeah. So, first quarter, you already mentioned it. Malik Beasley hit his thousandth career three. Good for him. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I hope he hits another thousand before the season's over. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to shoot that many. <laughs> um, into the second quarter, the Bucks got out to a slow start, and they were trying to force some passes. This is something I've brought up before, is when the Bucks are shooting slow, you can't compound it with turnovers. Yeah. Uh, and it's not something where like, I want the Bucks to be conservative, but when you're you're not shooting well, you need to slow the ball down um, and just kind of play the half-court offense a little bit more instead of trying to force transition and, and then getting sloppy. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's something I would challenge the Bucks to do is to recognize when you're shooting poorly and, you know, slow some possessions down and, and work to get a good shot. That's something that I would I would challenge the Bucks for. Uh, the Pacers' quick offense tied the game despite the Bucks having a 15-point lead in the first quarter. 
Um, Chris Middleton started heating up in the second quarter. My thing with this is, and I've already mentioned the bench scoring, but the Bucks role players, they got to make their open threes. I have some bench stats that I'm going to give in a second, but uh, the Pacers also getting too many offensive rebounds, built a six-point lead in the second half. Third quarter, shout out Chris Middleton. He got a crazy offensive rebound and a putback. Yeah. The ball was like in, I don't remember which pacer it was, was like kind of in the palm of his hand. Chris Middleton slapped it down, palmed it, and then kind of like scooped it under his hand and put it in the basket. Like that was that was wild that Chris did that. That was awesome. Um, Brad said the Bucks win tonight and leave with the game ball. That would be amazing if they took the game ball away oh, from Oh, that would be so funny. Uh, it would be hilarious and petty, and I would be here for it. Halliburton has another 20 assist night, and the Bucks take the game ball. Yeah. Thanasa scored two points this week. He hit 100 career points. <laughs> I was down. Um, okay. Um, the Bucks at uh, third quarter did hold the, the Pacers to a lot of one and done. They went on a 13 to two run, uh, cut the Pacers um, 13 to two run uh, within four points. Giannis then hmm, the the walk up threes. This is something that is a major challenge, Jake. You and I talked about this a lot yesterday. The Bucks were up 13 points, and Giannis walks into a three with like 20 seconds left in the shot clock. And it's one of those things where it's like, dude, you are amazing. Absolutely amazing. The best player in Bucks franchise history, without a doubt. A top 20 player in the NBA already, all time. This isn't your game, dude. Yeah. I love you, Giannis, but this is something where it's like you got to just recognize like what what your game is, and and walking into threes with twenty seconds left on the shot clock, that's that's Damian Lillard's game. That's not your game. Yep. Um, I'm sorry, and I I would hope that his coaches are challenging him on this too, and not just being like, well, I'm Giannis, I'm going to do what I want. I don't think Giannis is that type of person. No. Or it's just like, hey, you got to like you got to check him a little bit. Like that's not your game. Play your game because the Pacers can't stop your game. Agreed. Now, the Bucks, their lead kind of just crumbled after that. There was a 13-point lead at that point when Giannis pulled that pull-up three. They were up by four points going into the fourth quarter. Um, the Bucks opened the fourth quarter in zone, and the Pacers scored three times and took the lead. Chris and Giannis went and got the lead back, but Giannis took another three after that. And the Pacers took the lead back, and I don't think they gave it back. I think the lead was kind of two, four, six. The Bucks got cold, and the Pacers either scored or got a couple foul calls. And then one of the stupidest foul calls that I've seen for Chris Middleton boxing TJ McConnell out of a ball that was going out of bounds. One of those things that they're never going to call in the middle of a quarter, but because of the late in the game, they're going to call it. And TJ McConnell just jumping into the stands and getting a foul call for it. That's a hustle play by TJ McConnell. I respect that part of it. But giving him a foul call for that is is wild. I hate that fucker so much. <laughs> it's, a, it's annoying. And, and yes, Damian Lillard was cold, and it's unfortunate. But, again, I want to go back to the Bucks bench. <sighs> Points, threes, free throws. Points. Indiana, 70. Milwaukee, 16. Three-pointers. Indiana, 2 for 13. Milwaukee, 1 for 9. That's I'll call that a push. 
<clears throat> and then free throws. This is fucking stupid. Free throws. Indiana's bench, 20 of 26. Milwaukee, 3 for 3. Indiana's bench shot as many points or uh, free throws as our entire team. Yep. That is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I agree. What are your thoughts? So I still have a couple questions. Okay. Don't have anything about the game. It's a bad game. It happens. You had bad moments, teaching moments. You learn from You move on. Luckily, I mean, this is a blessing in disguise, right? You you have a, a, a poorly executed game plan against a team that has kind of been a thorn in your side this season. And after having a poor performance, you got to play them again. So it is a little bit kind of like the playoffs, except it's yeah. really not. But, you know, you get to kind of right your wrong right away. You don't have to wait a few weeks or yep. a month to, to do it, right? And we get to do it in their house. So yep. um, I'm just going to say this. I have a question, and then I have a, a statement that me and you have talked about. Okay. So, Griffin, this is the one, uh, one thing that kind of grinds my gears is I get my Peter Griffin on here. Um, you know what grinds my gears? <laughs> Why does he wait so long to get Giannis and Dane back in the game? It happens every second quarter, and I understand that Dane plays the entire first quarter. That's yeah. something that he requested. Giannis comes out with usually like three minutes, four minutes sometimes, yeah, two minutes sometimes in the, in the first quarter. And then he sits down, he has a TV timeout for the, for the break, and then they usually don't come back into like the six-minute mark of the second quarter. Now – they were dominating in this Pacers game, and they got they built a double-digit lead. When you see the Pacers get a little bit of momentum, yeah. <clears throat> when you see Bobby Portis not making the same impact, I'm sorry. And I, I'm, I really am. I'm sorry. There's a seven-footer on your bench from, from Greece. Put him back in, okay? He can, withstand, he can withstand it. He can tread water by himself with Chris Middleton. They've been together forever. Everybody talks about them just giving each other a look and they can understand what's going on. You yep. put him back in. When Dame is then ready to go back in after the next TV timeout, Damian Lillard enters the game. Yeah. The one thing that Griffin has to figure out is the substitution thing. And but I'm going to give him time. I'm not going to say that yeah. this is what it's going to be like two months right. from now. It's not. He's going through stuff. And we have some injuries and things are still going to change. You know, we're, we've talked about it. We're going to acquire people to trade deadline. Yep. That's what I'm going to say about that. You have thoughts on that? Yes. So my thoughts on that is we talked about not only the new coaching staff, but also the roster turnover. Yeah. So obviously two new starters this year. So my first thought on that is, is the roster turnover. It's you see a lot of times the assistant coaches having that sheet of paper in their hand all the time. Mm -hmm. It would not surprise me if they kind of had some timestamps of kind of when they're putting guys back in. Yeah. And and they're going to adjust it. They're going to play with it. Yeah. They're they're going to change rotations and be like, okay, you know. And they have guys that can sit and look at these numbers all day, every day. <clears throat> we want to be those kind of guys <clears throat> in the future. But you can look at it and say we are being outscored from the eleven minute mark to the eight minute mark of the second quarter while Giannis and Dame are on the bench by. 25 points over the course of the season. We are minus 25 from the 11 minute mark to the eight minute mark of the second quarter. We need to kind of stagger some of those minutes 
to try to make this chunk of game where we're being outscored by 25 smaller. Yeah. And figuring out how to stagger it, whether it be Giannis, Dame, Chris, you know, however, and, and sit and look at those things. And that's, like I said, that's stuff that you and I want to do. We want to look at that, you know, insanely zoomed in and figure out, you know, what's causing this and this. And, you know, Bobby Portis doesn't shoot well, you know, from, from this range to this range when he's being guarded by a player taller than him, things like that. And playing those matchups Mm -hmm. and figuring out what those tendencies are and where guys thrive and where they struggle. And then figuring out how to fix those things and what to put the guys in the best positions to succeed. That's what coaching staffs are for. That's why there's eight assistant coaches on the bench. They have all of these players that do different things. And Brad said, you have to build up the bench somewhere on the schedule. We'll need those bench players. And, <clears throat> and here's the thing. like We've seen Bobby Portis score 30. We've seen him put up double-doubles, basically three-quarters of the games like he did last year. Yep. Uh, we've seen campaign score 15, 18 points, and have six assists. It, it just comes down to consistency more than anything, really. Yep. Um. And Marjan Bochamp, it seems like he's kind of been dealing with a little bit of injuries and illnesses. Andre Jackson is obviously he's a very raw rookie, so expecting him to be in the starting lineup every single game and always playing the exact same is unrealistic. He's raw. He's going to need time to develop. Pat Connaughton, Jake just mentioned, you got to give him a little bit of time to get back to the NBA conditioning. And again, it, it's sorry, but it requires patience. It does. And then we are probably still about two, two and a half weeks away from Jay Crowder realistically being back. But again, that's just another guy who's giving you reinforcement. And yep. then it just comes down to um, consistency. Like we know that Pat Connaughton is capable of, of shooting a high percentage on threes. Yeah. We know that he can do it in the playoffs. <clears throat> it's it's just going to take time to figure some of these things out. And again, like I said, it's going to take just incremental improvements. It doesn't all need to get better in the course of one game from, from Monday to tonight, and then it's not ever going to be a problem again. It's always going to be perfect. It's, it's not. And Michael said, Payne does a good job when he's in there, a little too quick of a trigger at times, though. That's just one of those things he's got to figure out, too. Yep. So, I'm going to leave you guys with this. And you can go back to the second half of the Cavaliers game because it perfectly demonstrates what I'm about to say. If we want Damian Lillard, <clears throat> this is going to sound crazy after what I just said about Giannis, we have to take the ball out of Giannis's hands a little bit as a ball handler. One, like we've talked about, it'll take away from those pull-up three-pointers. Those are fucking yeah, ridiculous. I'm sorry. You're seven foot two fifty. And I don't mean to sound like a freaking boomer right now, but get your fucking ass in the paint. You're unguardable down there. Four people. I've seen you dunk on three people at one time yeah. with your left hand in the NBA finals. Two, Damian Lillard with the ball in his hands, running pick and roll with Giannis is absolutely the best move for this offense. It allows Damian Lillard to get into a to a rhythm. He's still a tremendous playmaker. We saw it in the Indiana dude, game. His passing this week was nuts. Dude, he had a he freaking drove to the rim from the left side, fake pass, and then bounce pass. I was like, oh my he god. That, he did that behind the back, too. Yeah. He drove with his left hand to the left side. Brooke cut down the middle of the paint. He threw a behind the back pass to Brooke for a layup. Yeah, that was nuts. 
So if we want Portland Dame, we have to put the ball in his hands a little bit more and just let him cook. You let Giannis be the best second option in NBA history. And this is strictly in the half court we're talking here. Yes. We're talking like on inbounds. If Giannis and Dame are both in the game at the same time, don't inbound the ball to Giannis. Obviously, if guy like if Dame's being face guard and you have to get the ball in. But just right. in regular inbounds. Transition, get the ball to Giannis first. Absolutely. Let him get the ball in transition and go. But yeah. just bringing the ball up the court, that's what Damian Lillard's here for. So, right. And, like, basically what I'm saying is we need to play more to our player strengths, right? We need to let our roster be our roster. We're constructing it this way for a reason. Let Damian Lillard be the point guard. Let him set everybody else up. Let him shoot when he needs to shoot, when he feels comfortable. And then you know what? This could be something with those staggering minutes, right? You still want Giannis to have the ball and be able to be a playmaker? Put him in a couple minutes early when Dame's not in the game and let him get cooking. If that's how he gets a feel for the damn ball, let him get the feel for the ball. When Dame comes that that game now, he feels it. You know what that does too is when he is feeling it, like you're saying, when Damian Lillard comes back in and Giannis is on a 10 run by himself, all the attention's on Giannis. There's no eyes on Dame. Yeah. So all the all of those you see it, <clears throat> they call it out on the broadcast all the time, where Marcus is drawn on a play and he's like one, two, three, four sets of eyes on Giannis, or one, two, three guys building a wall. It's like that's how Malik Beasley is scoring so much. Yeah, I know he's wide open in the corner, and you can do it with Damian Lillard. Yeah, one hundred percent, you can. So. I just want to put the ball in Dame's hands a little bit more. Let him be the point guard. I mean, Giannis has even said it. I'm going to let him be the point guard at the start of the season. So let's let him be the point guard. Giannis, you dominate in the paint. Also, with the energy that he saves from not having to handle ball handling abilities, he can help on the defensive end a little bit. There's a lot of positives in this. So let's just play to our player strengths. Let's go get a W against Indiana tonight. I'm ready. Yeah. Indiana tonight, then San Antonio, Houston, Utah. I'm going to say three and one. I'm going to say they lose to Houston because I believe it is the second of a back-to-back. So, Tim, have a good week. Let's go Bucks. Jake? San Antonio is tomorrow night. So, San Antonio is the second half of the back-to-back. Mm. We play Houston <clears throat> on Saturday and then uh, – Utah on Monday. Utah on Monday. Utah is – Utah's weird. Um, I'll say three and one as well. I can see them losing to Houston either way. But next week's show, we're going to talk about a game that's going to happen on, on TNT on next Thursday against Boston. Another measuring stick game. That one's in Milwaukee, yep. though. But let's take yep. care of business this week. All righty. We will be back Friday night, Jake and I, and Mike Spofford as well, on Friday night to talk about the Packers win over the Vikings and their matchup with the Bears. So we will see you then. Until then, have a good week. Let's go. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.